All right, welcome back to the Harbor Site, and uh, I am ecstatic to bring on a good friend of mine, Justin Morris, who is, uh, can I say your rank? Sure. Yeah, who's a, who's a sergeant in the uh, in law enforcement agency and uh, has been for, it's about, a, about going on a year now. Yeah, roughly. You've been a sergeant. Yeah. How long have you been in law enforcement? Uh, this would be year 11. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff. And, and, and with my, with, with the book, Excommunicated Warrior, I think one of the biggest, the, I think the biggest uh, market for demographics as far as sellers go has been law enforcement, which kind of surprised me initially. Right. Now that I've gotten to know so many law enforcement officers, I, uh, it's not really that surprising. Sure. So I get to hear their story and I'm like, it's the same shit, man. Right. Like you guys are living the same world and you're in a unique kind of world because you were army and you know you were in the military and you were right uh, law enforcement so you kind of see the you know see those both those worlds kind of come <clears> together <throat> um but real quick is going to pay the bills uh this this podcast is sponsored by core medical group and uh if if you've got if you are uh, lethargic you're not sleeping good your sex drive is down you're getting that fat around your waist and all of a sudden you don't really you don't feel you don't feel like you you once did maybe you need to get your testosterone checked and uh it's something that was very taboo in the past and it's it, the, the science is it's all coming out it's all coming out in the wash and uh so if you are feeling those symptoms if, if things are just not right in your head you're depressed you just feel foggy you're tired all the time you're not sleeping good at night uh check out core medical group the link is below and right now they're running a cell um $199 for your labs which is usually $299 and they have some other startup fees so everything is everything is discounted now so so go check them out and uh, let's let's kick this Harborside episode. So, Justin, yep, we're gonna do some uh, we're gonna do some, a little lighting round. I learned this from uh, Mike Ridlin, which is uh, he put me on the spot. So I'm, I'm gonna put you on the spot. What is your favorite color? Gray. Why? It's it it just goes with everything, man. <laughs> and it's it's simple. It's not bright. It's not flashy. It's just it's just kind of neutral. What, what color? What would be your favorite color when you're not when you're not in the job anymore? Would you go pink or, or purple or? It'd still be gray. I'd probably be gray. It's just I, gray. I, everything I, I have is gray. I don't think it's going to be gray. I think I think once you stop doing this job, know, man, everybody else does. Yeah, I don't know how. I'm not really into the flamboyant colors. I'm just. <laughs> I'm not. John, I wish Johnny was here. Yeah, I'm just not into that. All right, favorite music. Oh man, classic rock. I was going to say, if you say country, this this no, podcast I, I, is. Over. I know where your feelings about that. <laughs> I appreciate all types, but I'd say probably classic rock. Classic rock. Yeah, like, man. Give me who. Like Zeppelin. So if you're if you're if you're gonna go thrash in the gym, you're putting you could put Zeppelin on. Yeah, I, I may creep over to to some metal. Okay, you know, not a big rap guy. I like some old school rap, but I'm not a big rap guy. Like like what are we saying? Old school, like '90s. Well, yeah. I mean, I haven't been. I'm not that old, so yeah. Probably to me, '90s is old school. You know, that's that, yeah, that's old school. That's rap me, that's old school. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like early '90s rap. That's my that's my jam. Yeah, I mean, you know. Like Tupac, stuff like yeah. that. I, you know, yeah. Biggie. I was. I like that stuff. That, that's my, that's my era. All right, favorite favorite gun. Oh man, I know. Pro- putting you in a box, right? I hate probably, it too. Probably one of the new STI 2011s. I did not expect that. Yeah, man. You have a Glock sitting right there. I know. It, I know. But if if probably a 2011, that double stack 1911, or why? it's not a 1911, it's a 2011. But I, I got you. But why? No man, it's just like I think it's brilliant. It's kind of like a Ferrari. It's the Ferrari of guns, if you will. So if you had that, that if you only could choose one, that's the one you'd go with. Oh man, that's that's tough. Maybe I hate these questions. I know. I don't know. I go back and forth. You know, I like so many. I like so many different things. I'm also a Beretta guy too. I know it's not popular, Ugh. Ugh. but I shoot a Beretta Elite K2 
competitively, so my bread elite too. And then duty right for duty gun? Seventeen. I carry seventeen. Seventeen. Yeah. Yeah. And then for concealed carry. Who knows? Whatever I carry you... all kinds of stuff. It, I, it would go from a, the the forty three X to a, I may tuck that Beretta Elite in there, or you may catch me with a J frame. I don't know. You're you're one of the only people that I've met that are so I guess you could say gun fluid. Right. Most people pay, like myself. I'm just Glock. Yeah, I don't have. I'm not. I'm not like brand dependent necessarily. There's a few I'm going to stay away from, but I'm not. I don't sit in one camp. Who are you going to stay away from? <laughs> You put me on the spot on that one. But I, I feel like I can get some backing. I'm not an XD guy, man. Not I don't like all. XDs. Yeah. I'm not digging the backstrap thing. Um, and then any of the, I'm not really into the budget. You know, any, anything, but to me, Glock's about the standard. They're an MP or something like that. Okay. I, I don't really, I'm not going to step below that. All right. Here's, this is where it gets good. Your most, most embarrassable moment. I don't know, man. Where I've had a get? lot. It's been, it's, it's been pretty rough. <laughs> I, I I tried to get with Liz, and, and I'm like, she, she goes, I, you know what she said? She goes, I have no uh, dirt on him. No, man, I'm I'm She's kept, like, I man. got no dirt on him I'm a closed, I've been a closed book up until probably about the past year, so I'm I'm pretty kept. All right, so let, I, I mean, I can tell you one of mine, but that's no fun. But I want to know what's the most embarrassable moment. I'd say I, I'm, I'm still in that headspace of work, I guess, so I'd probably keep it in like a work environment. Um, or you can go way back to kid. Like, I don't really remember. I don't really have any embarrassing moments when I was a kid. Not that I can recall, but I was new to the unit I was in at the time. And we were, it was a special operations law enforcement unit. And, uh, I mean, day one guy green, you know, and that you kind of got to earn your space there. And, you know, the guys are not so welcoming, you know, when you come up there, but, uh, right out of the gate, we had some guys going to do a home invasion. There were, they were talking about killing this guy. Everything's in place. I'm new, pretty excited. You know, this is uh, not routine stuff, so I'm ready to go. We jump on the interstate. Uh, I'm tracking this car, and it was a new car for me. It was an unmarked car. I think I was driving like a pickup truck or something. Well, we had to wait to do a vehicle, an actual vehicle takedown on these guys. I mean, these are bad boys, so we're going to try to do a, a takedown. Team leaders out there, a couple three-letter agencies, we're doing our thing. Here's me, the new guy in the front. My sole job is just to follow the car. Well, I noticed there's cars pulling over. So I'm like, what the hell's going on with this? You know, cars just pulling over the side of the fucking road. Well, I had my blue lights on and had no idea that I'm rolling down the interstate with blue lights on in like a Nissan Titan. <laughs> so we're coming up on these dudes, car full of gangbangers, and how they did not see me, I will never know, but just... I felt about this big sitting inside that car because I don't think guys could get off the radio fast enough for every other team leader getting on, calling me everything under the sun, telling me to turn my fucking blue lights off as we were going down the that highway. That is the worst feeling yeah. in the world. So I'm coming up on this, like, Mercedes, you know, big-body car, and, and I'm thinking in my mind, I'm like, oh, God, I just blew this op, man. I'm going to end up getting somebody killed, you know, or a chase or whatever. Man, I've never lived that down. Like, that's been there forever. I know it's not super elaborate, but – to me, that was super embarrassing. Like, I hung on to that forever. Because everybody was there. Yeah, everyone was there. <laughs> like a convoy of guys behind us. And, you know, me being the new guy, I don't even know how to work the blue lights in the car. So the simplest thing, you know, but th that was super embarrassing. I mean, everyone found out about that. I could go three hours away to a, to a conference, to a gang school. Or and they said, oh, I heard like, about, Hey, I heard man, yeah, <laughs> be careful. Don't, you know, don't pull anybody over. You know, premature guy over here. <laughs> you know, so 
to me, that was embarrassing. That was pretty embarrassing. You've held on to that. I've, I've held on to you it. Might need to talk I to keep somebody. it in this pocket over here. You might need to talk to somebody. I pull about it out once thing. in a while and you know look at it. So where did you, where did you grow up? Uh, initially, in a small t- smaller town, population maybe 40,000, 50,000. Um, Wilson, North Carolina is about two hours from here, right so outside of Raleigh. This is a good old country boy. Yeah, man. Pretty much. And then, and then you, when you grew, did you, so I know you joined the army, right? Did you join the army right out of? No, no, I didn't. I, I kind of went on a journey, man. I, I was heavy into music. Mm-hmm. I was a musician and um, playing in bands and doing some touring and stuff like that. And that was kind of my passion. Um, and I found myself in Florida and that's where I found myself going to school at Full Sail. Yeah. Which is crazy. Cause like, yeah, I, I Allie went there. Sure. I, I I went there and I'm I'm going there now for my master's. Yeah. Johnny's there. Yeah, it's great school. Yeah, it was good. I was I went down to Winter Park and I lived there for a year and I did the two year program within a year. Yeah, so it was good. And then you, uh, so when did you realize that that was not for you? Well, I it, I didn't really realize it. I think kind of the the whole uh, the fall of the or the economic boom or lack thereof kind of realized it for me. Um, Graduating at the end of like 07 time frame, okay. kind of the economy's taking a, you know, a dive. So a lot of the internships we had lined up, I was going to Nashville, had an internship lined up for Nashville. So a six month internship into a job turned into a two year internship, 60 plus hours a week. Um, as you know, full sales, not cheap. Right. So school loans are piling on. Yeah. Um, it's kind of hard to have a, a job to support yourself living in Nashville. It's not cheap to live there. So just kind of culmination of things. And how um, old were you at the time? Whew, man, nineteen twenty. Oh yeah. So yeah. You... So yeah, um, didn't have any money really saved up. Just burning through any type of money that I did have, um, and then kind of some life life things going on. My my mother and my stepfather, who was the father figure in my life, called one day and said, "Hey, we're getting a divorce after you know twenty years of marriage." That was going on at the same time. Um, kind of some relationship failures, just culmination of stuff. And, uh, at that point, man, I was just like, I got to do something else. The only thing, other thing I was ever interested in was law enforcement or military, but I wasn't old enough to go into law enforcement okay. in state of North Carolina got to be 21. Okay. So that's when I thought I was making a good decision, which, you know, we'll come to later. But, uh, I went and enrolled in the police academy. I was like, man, I got to get some structure in my life. I'm, I'm falling apart here. So been working in bars up until that point touring you know just kind of living that life so at that at that age you like took you realized what the situation was and took a self-corrective action at least i thought i did yeah (laughs) because i'd been on my own since i was 17 i'd moved out at 17 um and joined the or went and enlisted in the military and so that's what happened that's what caused you to go to the military? Yeah, that was the segue that was like, hey, you need to get your head out of your ass. Uncle Sam, Uncle yeah. Sam wants you. Yeah, he wants me. <laughs> At least that's what the guy's telling me, right? Right. So given the circumstances, I, I really wanted to be a cop at the time. It was just something I had. I had some pretty good mentors growing up that were the stability, as far as mentors goes, for some reason were always law enforcement guys. They were clean cut, squared away guys. That they always you know, presented themselves well as I was coming up. And, you know, something I, I kept with me. So yeah. I was like, man, these guys seem pretty sharp and squared away. So given the time, kind of jumped into the law enforcement and the military thing at once. So I said, what's the best way to do that? Man, I'm going to join the National Guard, go the Army route. And then if in my contract, if I want to, maybe I can go over active if that's what I want to do. So given the, the fact that I had some schooling, man, they 
they drug me right in there the OCS and they're like, man, this is for you. This is, this is where you want to be. And I'm like, man, it sounds great. You know, <laughs> sounds good. So I went and enlisted at the police Academy and the national guard at the exact same time, same week. Boom. I'm going to do both. I'll take both of these. So I'll go, go from being a shitbag 18 year old to man. I can, I can do both of these. No problem. An art, an audio engineer, right? Yeah, man. Yeah. I'm going from staying up all night playing gigs and living that life to, you know, now I'm going to shave my head and, make my bed and do all these other things that I've never done. So that's kind of where I led into that, joining the Army and, and uh, the Academy at the same time. What did you do in the Army? Well, I went in to go through the OCS program, be an infantry officer, 11 Bravo. Um, and by the time I was done with my training, segueing over into OCS, I ended up getting injured. And it was at that point, you know, I kind of got the, the medical boot to come out, um, which – segues into some other stuff we you and I've had conversations about yeah. but that was kind of a, a huge blow to me because that was no one at that point in my family had ever done anything like that no I'm yeah. the first person on that side of my family that's ever graduated from college you know later on getting my bachelor's and so on and so right. forth so to me that was a huge thing that was a big deal a lot of people were kind of in my corner and you know getting the typical uh proud of you type thing yeah so that was a big hit you know coming out of that and that's kind of when I dumped my entire identity at the time as a 22-year-old guy, 23-year-old guy into law enforcement. So I kind of had both of those going on at once, and it came down to a you've got to pick one. Is that one of those moments like we were talking about before where it's like you look back now and you're like, man, thank God that that happened because, like, who knows where, where things could be. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I, you know, I wrestled with that for a long time, and it, it, it felt like a failure point due to the fact that I did really well. Well, I was an honor grad coming out of, uh, you know, my, my BCT and my MOS school and all that. So, man, I was, I was pushing hard and that's what I wanted to do. And then, you know, the initial talks were trying to go over to OCS as soon as I finished that up, seeing about trying to get into the pipeline for the X, mm -hmm. the 18 X-ray program. Um, so man, I had it planned, you know, this is what I'm going to do. I'm, I was training hard then. And that's um, always the worst when you're that young and you've got something yeah, plan and you're at your eyes sight on and then something out of your control happens. Right. And it was, it was, it was harsh in a way or it was a devastating blow because it was, man, I left all that stuff behind, you know, to go do something bigger than me. Yeah. Um, and now you're telling me I can't do that even though I'm physically able to do it, but the med board's not passing you. Right. So I, I kept telling them, no, you're wrong. You know, I'm, I'm going to come back. I'm going to do it. So on and so forth. So I was lucky enough they did give me – I got my medical with a re-enlistment code that I could come back in if I wanted to. Um, and then simultaneously going through the police academy, kind of doubling down on that um, and was able to graduate. Which was good because you had something right there. Yeah. 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 Because if you didn't have that, that, that could have been a shit show. Yeah, I probably would have just fell back into the nightlife and the, the drinking and the partying yeah. because, I mean, I was, I was going hard in the paint. And then that. 20 years later, you'd be doing the same thing. If you yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Probably so. You know, unfortunately, still got some buddies out there that are they're hitting it hard, man. <laughs> yeah. You know, living yeah. the life. So um, that's what kind of that was a that was a huge defining point for me, um, which made me push me harder, I think, into my law enforcement career and made me I felt like I was always making up. Yeah. For for that for that now I don't see it as a downfall but then I saw it as a downfall as a failure point yeah especially coming from where I came from and having the relationship I had with my my father not my stepfather 
But my father, that was kind of always in my ear telling me I wasn't ever going to do anything. And, you know, I was going to pretty much stay right there where I was in that town. And, um, there, you know, there's not much on the menu for me. So I was always trying to prove something, if, if that makes Aren't sense. Aren't we all? Yeah. 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 Every day. Yeah, every day still. <laughs> so. And then so – so you, you graduated the police academy, and then did you get a job right, right out, out the gate? Or? I did. So I was lucky. Um, the way it works, you can either get sponsored by an academy but it's not necessar- or sponsored by an agency, but it's not necessarily going to give you a job. You still got to apply. And back then, it was actually the field was stacked. So guys were trying to come in. Um, a lot of hiring wasn't going on. It, it was pretty tough to get a job. I mean, you'd have a class of 20 guys, maybe 50%, 60% may not get ever hired. Damn. And if you don't get hired within a year, you have to repeat the academy. Yeah. So I was very lucky. I got hired by sheriff's department, went straight out onto patrol first day. Um, it was a very rural department. So it was like two weeks of training. Here you go. Here's your gun and badge. 900 square mile county. We got like three deputies working. So here's your 300 miles of go be the police, you know. So that was a little rough. But I'm glad I had that. Yeah. Totally made me. It, it, I learned how to talk to people. You know, you're not just going to whip everybody's ass and point guns at people, man. You got to learn to communicate, and that served me well. Well, yeah, because then you. So, how long did you do that before you got into the special operations world? So, I did that for a couple years, and actually, it was a little bit of a break. Um, I wasn't kind of learning. It's kind of that self-growing process where I learned that, man, I, I'm kind of a high-growth needs individual. Yeah. So. Not that that was a bad agency, but it just wasn't fitting for me. For your personality? For no. For personality? No, really. it just it's wasn't. Like- I was always wanting to go to training. I was seeking more. I was doing this. I was doing that. I wanted to get involved in stuff, and I was thirsting for the experience, and it just wasn't available. So I had a buddy that was contracting for the State Department at the time, and he's like, man, this, once again, you know, recruiting me over, selling me the, the Kool-Aid. So like, man, this is you, bro. You can come over, you can contract, you can make a ton of money. You know, I wasn't making my first law enforcement job, man. Uh, not really ashamed to say it. All the LE guys out there know this. I was making 29 grand. That's so crazy. Yeah, 29 grand, $65,000 in student loans. These dudes are out there getting shot in the face for 29 grand. Right. Yeah. And yeah. It, I, I might have been on the job. I don't even, it wasn't that long before, you know, we're going to domestics where dudes are launching rounds with deer rifles through the woods at you. And, you know, you can barely pay your bills. And, you know, Liz obviously remembers my wife that there was times where she would come down and she didn't even have an actual career. She was working multiple jobs and she was having to buy my groceries because I would have 20 bucks the last two weeks um, when you're making 600 some bucks every two weeks. I mean, it's rough. So it's pretty enticing to a 20 some year old kid because I'd say a kid at that point when my buddies are like, man, we're making 500 bucks a day, yeah. you know, doing PSD. Yeah. You know, you in or you out, I'll have you gone in 30 days. And I'm like, bro, sign me up. Like, where are we going? (laughs) You know? doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I'll do it for half, you know? This is my bank account number. Just deposit that money. I'm sending stuff over. Like, man, y'all want me to start today? I'm actually on my way over now. So I kind of got into that um, contracting thing for a little bit for DOD and um, the State Department. Went over to Iraq. What was Um, your first company you worked with? The first company I went over with was SOC. Yeah. So special operations consulting and met some good dudes over there. Every company's got their ups and downs and, you know, uh, cycles and sure. We've all seen it. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of that depends on who the leadership is and depending on who, who owns it at the time. Right. And what's happening in the battle space. Sure. You know, downrange. So absolutely. And what, what's acceptable at the time and what's not. 
So I did that, um, got pretty lucky. I was doing PSD stuff and doing some, um, you know, not so much force protection, but we were doing like ERT type stuff, responding to different things. Uh, met some really good guys in the PSD space and, or at the time it was PSS. I don't, it changes all the time. I don't know what it is now, but, uh, I got in country hired by Aegis, by the Brits. So I'm like, man, this is going to be, this, this is working out well, man. This is good stuff. So it's that contractor life, man. I tell you, man, it, it'll change you. So, I, and I recognize that somehow, some way. Uh, and I came home for Christmas in 2011, and I was going to be home for four days. And then I was going back over. We had a contract. We were going to be running out of the embassy there, the one that is so famous now in the news. Right. So that was relatively new back then, you know. So we were we were going to be running out of there and. Man, everything's good to go, man. Life's good. We're having conversations, as you know, from being in that world. 20-some years old, man. I'm just like, dude, I'm making paper now. You know, it's and the joke was, you know, the BMW club or the Range Rover club, like, what am I going to buy next? Yeah. You know, I got a Harley on the list. I'm going to buy a Range Rover. I'm doing all kinds of stuff. When I get home, um, I was in a relationship at the time with my wife now, and I don't know what it was, but I could see it was starting to impact yeah. obviously. Yeah. Um, and I got to give her credit, man. She's uh super independent, you know, super confident. And it wasn't a big deal. It was like, listen, you know, Hey, I want to be with you, but, uh, it's not going to work out if you're going to be doing that. So, uh, you know, let me know. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, shit. you know her well. So, yeah, I mean, it's I just like, I'm like, okay, well, you know, I've never heard that before. <laughs> so just, just by happenstance, man, it ended up, we started having visa issues, you know, getting the visa, not getting the visa. So I'm standby, standby, standby. I remember that time. That that was a very volatile time in, in change for, you know, Afghanistan and Iraq. Sure. Because of what was going on at home politically. And uh, so I remember that. Yeah. And, and kind of in conjunction with that, I got left at one point and I got stuck. I was like a man without a country for a minute. So I got stuck in Istanbul. Oh, awesome. Yeah, man. I blend in well over there. At the time, you know, I had <laughs> the long hair and the beard and stuff and six foot two and blonde, so I was doing well. And um, I get dropped off at a hotel in Istanbul by, like, a cabbie. Man, I'm clueless. You know, me and, like, one other dude. And we're like, yeah, we're stuck, bro. Until they can get us, get everything squared away with visas, I'm just stuck right now. So and as you know from traveling all over the place, man, it's not like it is here. I'm getting a visa stamp and the guy's pulling a wad of cash out of his pocket, the Iraqi IP or whatever, yeah. adding my money to his, the price is changing all the time. Oh, yeah. Hey, I like your sunglasses. Yeah. You know, sure. They're yours type thing. So just kind of, how's that watch doing? Yeah, man, yeah, that yeah. watch looks nice, man. Can yeah. I borrow it like forever? <laughs> so, you know, we're kind of doing that back and forth and it, I get home man, and I just, I realize, man, I'm going down a dark place with this. You know, it's, it's actually kind of taken over. And I noticed that pretty fast, 450 a day wasn't enough anymore. Yeah. And like, who am I? You know, I'm like, I'm thinking in my mind, man, I, I was super fortunate to work on a team with some really awesome guys. Yeah, you get accustomed to that lifestyle real fast. And then you're having to do rotations to pay the taxes at the end of the sure. year. Sure. Like, oh, yeah. I got to do my 90 days so I can get yeah. my tax money. And I, I realized that we were all chasing another number. So mm -hmm. we'd get on a contract and it's like day one, we land and guys are like, Hey man, you want to jump with me next week? We're moving to, you know, this other contract in Afghanistan in Kabul, you know, such and such Garda world's offering 600 a day. Yeah. So you're jumping on birds and you're trying to jump contracts. And I'm like, man, this just feels 
I feel like a roadie out here, man. Like it's just I'm jumping all over the place. That's the life. That's that contractor life. Yeah. So I came home and <clears throat> I was working for the Brits at the time, and I was told by a buddy that, hey man, if they can replace you with a Brit, they're gonna do it, no matter. I'm like, no, nah, man, these guys like me, man. I'm, I'm being good with the team leader. I was the only American on that contract at the time. And I got home and the guy, I got an email from London and it was, hey, um, we're not going to use you for this contract. We'll get up with you later. Basically, you know, so many words. And I'm like, aha. So here's here we're going, you know, down this road. Then money starts to run out, yeah. you know. So that's when I got back into law enforcement and – I kind of went to two different – I applied to two um, large city um, agencies here in the area. And I was saying, hey, man, whoever picks me up first, man, I can't go back to having 13 bucks a week to eat off of. So, yeah. you know, not that I'm, I was ever going to get rich with the, being a cop, but right. I had to have something, some stability. Yeah, you have to be able to provide for yourself. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So – and then away we went from there. So that was about the end of 2011. I got back into law enforcement. So I was gone about a year. And, and with law enforcement, it's not like the military. You have to start over. Oh, yeah. There was no coming back. and Like you've got this many years uh, with no. the department, so you're at this many no. years in, in no. service. Or no. Yeah. Um, matter of fact, when I came back, I was like, well, I'll just go back to my other agency until I can get something better. And they're like, no, no thanks. So wow. I was like, wow, this is good. Welcome home. So, yeah, welcome <laughs> home. I'm really starting over now. So I was doing some little ancillary stuff when I got home, doing some local um, PSD stuff with a couple local firm type stuff for guys or some politician type things, man, just landed anything I could. Is that on top of being a cop as well? No, that was during that time because I had to start over to, again and get hired. Out, yeah. And it takes about six months to go through that, you know, Ooh. through our process here in the state. So I, I got lucky and I landed a nuclear um, contract. So we were doing mobile stuff. I remember you telling me about that. Yeah. Yeah, man. That was local and it was it was pretty good money and that saved me. You know, it was easy, easy gig, you know, a lot of preparation, a lot of training, a lot of gear for something that's probably not going to happen. At least you hope. Never. You, at least you hope never <laughs> yeah, happens. Right. But um, that was a blessing, man. That was that was huge. A, a buddy landed me that. So. And then you. Uh, you so you, you got on with, with the agency. Yep. How long did you have to do like your time before you got to try out? Well, it was. You know, it, it wasn't a hard and fast rule, um, but it was more about one thing about that. And, and, the, and guys that are listening will understand that are from that world, and just like special operations um, or, or any type of small unit, it's a lot of it's about personality and fitting in. Yeah. Even though you possess maybe the physical attributes or the knowledge of whatever the task is or yeah. whatever that, you know, specific topic is. So it was more about you were, you were constantly being viewed and vetted from day one. So from like, for instance, now from training guys and being a supervisor over guys, and I try to tell them the same thing is, Hey man, today is number one of the rest of your career. You're being judged whether you want to believe it or not. You're being viewed now. So everything you're doing now is going to, the stuff you're doing day one is going to affect you two years from now when it comes up for a specialized position. Right. So it was more about, Getting out there, working the street, you know, um, trying to find out who's who and what's going on. And, man, it's not sexy and cool, but kind of the lifeblood is the paperwork and the reports. And can you document this stuff and articulate in a manner? Yeah, that's such a, that's a great lesson because everybody wants to – 
even with the military, they want to do what's in the movies. They sure. want to do what's on social yeah. media, but they don't see all the real work that actually yeah, goes man. into it. And it's not always that sexy. No, it's not. Yeah. Not at all. So if, if you want to do that job and you want to excel, right. listen to what the dude's saying. So the – and the big thing about that, and those are some lessons I learned later, and I had some great, great mentors that are still good friends of mine that are still in that um, law enforcement special operation division. They're, they're still going at it, was – it doesn't matter how good you technically build the case in the beginning. It doesn't matter if you find the target. It doesn't matter if you do all these things. If when two years from now that doesn't come back down and you put it in, you know, put it in a courtroom and are able to articulate that to a jury and you're able to feed that to a prosecutor. So we're able to get that person that is, you know, a threat to society or who've done people wrong or whatever the case may be. Man, you're dead in the water, man. You've spent all that time. It was a beautiful case. You did all these cool things, search warrants, if you know, SWATs hitting doors, all this and that. None of that means anything if you can't write it out. So I did about, I don't know, maybe a year and a half back out on the street. Super lucky. The agency that I'm with, the op tempo is super high. Call volume is through the roof. Yeah. And we're so, we were so short, and we still are till today, that, man, you're just – it's hundred miles an hour for twelve point two five, you know. And if you're and if you're a performer, sure. Then you get the benefit off that. Yeah. yeah. So if if you're a high growth needs guy, you know, the work's there for you. I mean, yeah. you can really get out there and you can you can, I know it sounds kind of lackluster in a sense, but you really can make a difference. You can get out there and go after what it is you're interested in. Yeah. So I was I was doing that for about a year and a half and then I had the opportunity to to try out for special operations, um, which for us at that level in the law enforcement world, at least where I am, it's it's pretty hard to get in that unit. And when guys get there, they tend not to leave. Yeah. So that's where all the federal task force spots are, so on and so forth. Um, it's kind of seen as the tip of the spear, which we can discuss later, that I found out that's not necessarily the truth. However, those guys are they're doing the Lord's work over there and they're doing a good job and they're still they're still killing it. But kind of Bridging over to that, I ended up actually getting picked up to go to the suit division mm-hmm. or be a gen crime guy first. Okay. So I spent about a year doing that before I went over to special operations. <sighs> yeah, man. So it was. How was and, that year? Oh, man. Well, so right out of the gate, coming I from mean, the, How was that year for you, for, for Justin? Well, initially, it was great because it was, it's like the movies, man. You know, I'm coming out of uniform, out of a squad car. You know, rotating every two weeks, nights, days, nights, days, mm-hmm. which is killing me. To now, you're a detective. I'm, I'm rocking a suit. I got a plain car. You know, man, you're a detective. That sounds sexy. And, you know, I got my own office and I'm working anything from literally from homicide down to stolen vacuum cleaners, you mm-hmm. know, everything in between that. So I, I was really lucky. Again, had some great mentors, some guys that had moved on and gone to some really good agencies. But, Right out of the gate, I was able to work on some homicides and home invasions mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So initially, I was like, this is it. You know, maybe maybe I'm even... Maybe, I've arrived. Yeah, I've arrived. <laughs> like, I'm here now, you know. Yeah. Like, they're going to make a movie about me. So I'm thinking maybe even I don't need... Maybe this special operations division, man, maybe I can... Maybe this is where it's at. Well, that that faded fast. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've literally heard that from every cop that's ever done yeah, that, that job. Yeah, that faded pretty fast, man. So it was, there was a lot more of those stolen vacuum cleaners yeah. than there was everything else. So going back to being, if, if you're an LGN or an HGN, that's a big, that's a big thing, man. So 
you know, I tried to keep that high gross needs attitude to the point where my colleagues, I would come in. I'm like, yeah, man, I'm getting some more warrants, closing cases today. And, you know, some of the old salty guys in there are like, no one gives a fuck, you know, <laughs> shut up and sit down, answer the phone, you know. So I'd say probably six months into that, man, I was just like, it was like an immediate drain of energy. And I found myself, I was literally going home and going to bed at like seven o'clock at night. I had nothing. I was just like, done. I feel like I was walking in with a lunch pail, punching the clock. I'm done. Yeah. You know, let's start over tomorrow. I cleared 10 cases today. Tomorrow, those same 10 cases are going to be right back in that, that folder, you know? Yeah. So I got kind of lucky and, uh, the guys wanted me to come over. Um, so are still good friends of mine to this day. Some of my best friends. And I got the opportunity on Christmas Eve of that year. One of our deputy chiefs came to me and said, Hey man, you still want to go to special operations? And I was looking for any, I was to the point where I was almost going to ask to go back to the road. Dang. For me, for me. And, and a lot of good, a lot of guys love it, man. And they're really good at it. And that's awesome. But I worked frauds. I worked, I tried a little bit of everything and it just, it just wasn't for me. Um, so when I saw that light at the end of the tunnel, man, I was like, oh my God, this is the best Christmas present ever. Yes, I'll take it. So once again, I'm thinking, this is the answer. <laughs> Man, he is solving my problems now. I'm getting ready. I'm I'm thinking Will Smith, Bad Boys 2. Yeah. You know, where's the Ferrari? Yeah. I get I want two of these chrome pistols. I'm getting ready to be, you know, narco man. Yeah. So boom, transfer date. You know, like two days two days after Christmas. So that's when I went over to that unit. I found really found out really quick that it wasn't the most welcoming group of guys initially, and, and rightfully so. You know, those guys have been in there it's for that, years. It's that way on, our, on the military teams as well. Like yeah. You guy, oh, you're the FNG. Why don't sure. you just go shut up and color in the corner yeah. until we need you? Immediately. Hey, yeah. man, you might not even make it. We're yeah. not even going to learn your name right now. <laughs> yeah, you right. know, never even heard of you. You're Jim for now on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, oh, yeah, hey, I've been here for four or five years. Yeah, we never heard of you. Sorry. Go over there and do this. Yeah. So you really had to earn that. Out of all the units I can say I've ever been in with anything, whether it's contracting or my short time in the military or law enforcement, you really had to earn that spot in there. Um, and right, wrong, or indifferent, some people think now that it's a little, you know, harsh coming in. But uh, it was rough, man. That first year was rough. Yeah. Uh, some of the guys I literally hated the most are some of my closest friends now. I literally – probably tried to fight a couple of times in there. I mean, it was like domestic disturbances. I've, got, the, I've got those guys yeah, too. Yeah. On the daily, man. So, hey, man, you're never going to be good enough. Oh, yeah, whatever. You're a know-it-all. I mean, just constant, you know. And you're just getting beat down. But meanwhile, going over, you're thinking, dude, I'm getting ready to – I'm growing my hair out. I got a beard. I'm driving a badass car. I'm wearing plain clothes. Like, this is it. I am here now. That's not the case at all. Yeah. Walk in first day. Right up on the on the board was, if you think this job's about wearing blue jeans, you're in the wrong office. Oh, they just got it all up for display. Yeah, right there for you. Yeah, you know. So I was like, wow, this is. This Were is you good. the only new guy? Was that written specifically for you? No, there was a, there was a transition there where a couple of new guys had come in, but I came in on my I came in as a as a one off. Okay. So, um, came in with that, and I got kind of lucky. I had a couple guys that are still there now, that. I think saw something in me later that I didn't see in myself and they started giving me goals. Hey man, you need to do this, this, and this. Um, you need to be able to develop this type of case. These are the wickets you need to hit. I had an awesome supervisor at the time 
who was very understanding. And, man, they just – they I it wasn't anything I did. They literally built me in that office. They, those guys built me. And it was to make it or break it. A lot of guys have gone in there and they're gone. You know, boom, six months, hey, bro, it ain't working out. You got to go. And it's not an easy, hey, pat on the back. Listen, man, you know, you're great, but this isn't for you. It's just, dude, you suck. This ain't, you know, you're not built for this. Yeah. See ya. Yeah. By the way, you got 25 years of your career left to think about it. See you later, you know? <laughs> yeah. So going in there doing that, that first year, I would say the first year, you know, we're working 70, 80 hours a week was not uncommon. Um, I'm newly married at the time to my, my loving wife now. Um, so that was a challenge, you know. And then also simultaneous to that, I'm juggling being on the team, on the SWAT team at the same time. We were pretty active at the time. Um, so I'm trying to balance that. I'm trying to find where I fit. You know, what's my, my niche in that too? Everybody's kind of got their thing. So trying to go back and forth with those. And then I'd say after that first year was when it kind of goes dark for me as far as this is me, this is who I am, nothing else matters. Yeah. Um, and some guys are good at not doing that. Not us, though. And I'm going to no. throw myself into that thing. It, it is – it becomes – what you do becomes who you are. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, – The good and the bad. Yes. Maybe a little bit more of the bad. And, and and to be honest, and I don't know, and I may be wrong in this, but in my in my mind, to really be elite in any of those units, man, it's a hundred percent. There's no. So that's it's interesting that you say that because on the audio book of Excommunicated War, I sit down with Jeff Nichols, who's a Navy SEAL and um, in a special <clears throat> unit, and uh, he asked me the question. He goes, he goes, could you go back who you are now and do that job? Right. I was like, absolutely not. No, like, I, I've, I've never thought about that, but I absolutely not. Like I've already like, like I'm, I've gotten vulnerable. I tell people, I tell grown men that I love them, you know, sure. I mean? like I, it's, it's a very different, it's a very different world. You kind of, I mean, I, I hate to like say this, but <clears throat> you have to be that person right, to do that job. Right. You have to have a certain mindset and be in a certain place in your life to do that job. And to be honest, it's not, it's not, it's not healthy. No, the problem comes into play and we're going to get into this a little bit later, but the problem comes into play is when you can't turn that off. Sure. And Absolutely. Go back yeah. To be in you or yeah. a new you with that, I, that stays you. And I think one thing that I would kind of challenge people to digest is one thing that's unique about law enforcement. And this is not to debrade or take anything away from any other branch of service or anything, but Guys, at least where we are, they have to do 30 years to retire. We don't have a 20-year. We have a 30. It's a long time. It's a long time, man. That's a very long time. So these guys are seeing, and I see it more now as a supervisor because I'm I'm looking on and I'm trying now to protect the mental health and just the overall health of my guys. Yeah. These these young guys, man. And, and I'm seeing what they're seeing that I've already seen a million times, but now I'm I'm seeing more of it. These guys will do 12 hours and they'll see absolutely horrific things. And that's going to vary based on the size of the agency and what's going on. But at least our agency, we're, we're busy. And then they take a seven-minute drive home and they're expected to be a father a or, or a husband, a soccer coach. Maybe they're a pastor. Maybe they're whatever, a jiu-jitsu coach. That has always blown my mind, man, that 
you literally can be, and I've heard, you know, I've got a lot of law enforcement friends now and <clears throat> since getting out. And I've heard stories like you're involved in a shooting. You get done with that shooting, you write your paper, and you go home three miles down the road. Sure. So from literally just an hour ago, you either shot somebody or you cleaned up a mess or essentially that yeah. something happened. And then now you're holding your, your infant newborn in your yeah. living room. So, I mean, a perfect example of that is, you know, last call of the shift or any point during that day, um, you go to an unresponsive child, happens all the time. And you're working that kid along with the medical services and you watch a three-year-old child die in front of you. Ten minutes later, you drive home and it's daddy, daddy, daddy. Your kids are running up to you. That's not normal. No. There's, so, there's, no, there's no processing No, time. there's no – and I'll, I always tell my guys this, you know, shit to shine in seven minutes, right? Right. You're in the middle of some shit. And then you're expected shine when you get home, clean up, you're good to go. It's a seven minute drive. It's seven miles from my agency to my house. Seven and, miles. And, and you know what? It's it's not your family's fault. No, it's they not. Don't know. They didn't sign up for that. No. That's the They're big thing. They're expecting you to be you when you walk through the door. Sure. Yeah. They're not expected you to come in and be, you know, pays a non issue at this point. We could argue that to blue in the face, but hey man, we're signing up to do it. Do it. You you're, know what I mean? Yeah, let's be real. You're let's, serving. Yeah, yeah. You you're, there's you did not you did not become a cop no, to become rich. No, no way. Yeah. So but there's some things that come with that that you have to learn and that I'm learning now after ten years and some when you and I first met, some of the conversations we sit down we sat down and had yeah. is I'm learning now that you can't just catalog that shit. It's gonna, it's that reel is gonna play back. That movie's gonna play one day. Oh, that, right. All that shit you're collecting, yeah. you're gonna have to put it somewhere. Sure. Yeah. So the problem is, is when you come home and there's no outlet for it, and yeah. now it gets cast out on family members, friends, relationships. Now is when you start to see seclusion. You start yeah. to see guys pull back into just themselves, not let anyone in, not that, talk to that's anyone. That's why it's so importantly crucial to have a family or have a significant other that you are on the on level with that you can communicate with because if <clears throat> if you have that relationship that they're not about it they right. don't want to communicate with it then it's, it's simply just not going to work yeah because you have to be able to be open and be like hey this is where i'm at and that's where people don't that's where we don't get is when you're in that job <clears throat> vulnerability is a bad word Oh yeah, that's that's, a, that's taboo, man. That's I'm not vulnerable about anything. Yeah. My shit's locked up tight, you know. But to really be healthy and to, and to maintain that family, that family, uh, that healthy family uh, system, you have to. You have to be able to communicate, like, hey, this is what's going on. Sure. You know, for what you can say and say, this is where I'm at right now. This yeah. is what I'm feeling, so that the family <clears throat> understands. Because otherwise, they're just like, well, this guy's just a dick. Yeah. I married him guy. Now he's a different guy. He's just an asshole. Yeah. And, and you have to learn. And, I, and that's something uh, I'm not an expert by no means. And that's something I'm literally going through a transition phase now. Yeah. You know, some of the stuff talked about in the book is I'm now learning kind of like as we were talking about earlier, some of the things I thought were making me sharper or making me better or going to prepare me for something later or something I thought I wanted were actually keeping me from growing yeah. where I need to in certain priorities. So those are things, you know, I'm trying to extend out now to my guys that are these young guys and say, hey, man, listen, it's okay. You may not want to go home and tell your wife everything. I'm not saying go home and tell your wife you saw two dead kids today and a car wreck where someone was losing limbs. Yeah. I'm not saying that. 
But don't expect to go home and just say, hey, everything was fine. Everything was fine. Everything was fine. And the power of the spoken word, man, yeah. is so big and it's so huge. And being able to be honest with yourself and, and look at your spouse or look at your buddy and say, hey, man, I did not have a good day today. Yeah, it was rough. And it was pretty rough. Yeah. You know, and, it, it messed with my head a little bit. And what you'll find, yeah. and I think something, you know, you and I have found about one another talking and so on and so forth is, hey, man, that's all right. I've right. been there. You know, right. maybe not at that exi- the exact same place. You are not alone in this. Right. But yeah. I've been to that arena before. You know, I've been in there, too. Right. And I think if you don't do that, that's when you start to, you know, you get to a really dark place, man. And, and suicides are, are up tremendously for us. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, we've had guys at the agency that I work at now that have gone a whole career, super sex- successful career. And then that 30 year mark comes and who am I now? I'm no one. No one's calling me to solve problems anymore. Right. I never took care of those other things. So I'm not finding any joy in my marriage, in my friendships. So they end up, you know, unfortunately. I was, so I just did a, I, we talked about it before I went out there because I wanted some talking points from you, but. I did a uh, four-hour leadership seminar to a chief's association out in Oregon. Right. I was blown away, and I don't know the exact statistics on this, but I was blown away. They were saying within five years of retirement, they, that former law enforcement officers, and we're talking like chiefs, lieutenants, guys that are, are at that level, either suicide or heart attack. Yeah, it was within, staggering. I think within, it's over 50%. Yeah, it's, it was something crazy. In their 50s. Yeah, yeah. Within five years of or reti- die. retirement, they're yeah. dead. Yeah. Either by themselves or a shirk. Sure. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe it. Well, and I think some of that comes back to, um, I'm not a life coach by any means, but something I'm discovering as, you know, we were talking about earlier going to jujitsu, how healthy that is for you, not just physically, but mentally is occupying your time with help healthy things and really building a good foundation because yeah. you work in an acidic environment whether you're in the military or you're in law enforcement. You're um, dealing with the worst of people. Y- you are. No yeah. one calls us because they're having a good day. Hey, man, you want to— I just wanted to invite you guys out for some lemonade. Yeah. I, had, I got <laughs> some called 911. I got some extra dinner. You guys want to come over? Um, so whether that be inner office stuff, let's yeah. be real. So that can, to me, oftentimes that can be the most acidic. So I agree. I mean, some of the, some of the most th- the problems that I've had in the military are not from combat or not from— necessarily losing friends or anything like that but the the like almost toxic environment of each other right of of things that happen and and it really i hate to say that publicly right because you don't want to paint that kind of light Mm. but it happens you live in a very negative world you operate in a very negative world so that is kind of a fruit of of its labor sure living that way yeah and it's no different in law enforcement you're dealing with the worst of the worst and if you don't harness those things right um, and I, it is a blessing, and I, I, I thank God every day that I've f- figured that out at my 10-year, 11-year mark instead of at my 25, yeah. 28, 30-year mark. It's because we've dealt with it so much. It's, it, we shouldn't have to wait till you're 20, 25 years right. anymore. And I, I think what you were saying earlier is, is by, by, by you doing it now, talking to your guys about, hey, it's okay. Sure. It's okay to not be okay. Right, because of what of what we do, what what's scary about the old way of doing it for guys like ourselves that are, you know, high caliber, really really want to be the best versions of ourselves, 
if we start to have issues, we just think it's us. I immediately, and I know you probably, if I have any sort of issues, I'm thinking, well, I'm just a, I'm just weak. Yeah. What's wrong with me? What's, nobody else is having this yeah. problem. Yeah, it's just got to be me. It's just me. Yeah. You're so I got, I got to, I got to fix this. Together. Yeah. Yeah. I got to fix, get my shit together. When really, every, you know, if you got, you know, you got ten people on your platoon. They're all dealing with it. Yeah. They're just all not saying anything. They're dealing with it at different levels depending yeah. on their exposure. And where they're at in and their time careers. and grade. Yeah. yeah. And I think one thing that like drove home for me one day was I heard one of our spouse, like the spouses of one of my colleagues say somebody was saying something about PTSD about one of our guys. And the spouse of one of the guys said, PTSD from what? He's never been in the military. <laughs> so... And we're talking about a guy that had 15 years, over 10 of which were in a specialized division. How many deaths and destruction and fights and everything else this guy's been in, car wrecks and, you know, traumatic things. And they're like, well, he's just a cop. He doesn't. And and sometimes that's frustrating because it's like, I get it, man. You, your, your interaction with law enforcement, especially if you're, a good person, I would say a good person, is very minimal, right? Yeah. It's a ticket on the side of the road. Now, I'm not sticking up for every cop out there because we both got good and bad of every of you know, every field. Yeah. But a lot of times folks say, oh, man, I, I just see him sitting in the parking lot on the side of the road. Well, what folks don't see, taking up for some of my guys, is they're down 15 reports. They're yeah. not going to get off till three hours after their shift time, and that guy hasn't eaten today. Literally, he hasn't had a so, child break. So, so Justin is hangry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so luckily, I'm not in that position anymore. My guys are the ones that do most of the work, man. And, and I'm lucky to be able to always say to be able to work with them yeah. and not them work for me. Yeah. Um, I've got a great group of guys. but So uh, the, for those who are listening, so so you were in – you. You did a very good – had a very good career in special operations. About five years, yeah. And then you um, – and then you recently got promoted to sergeant. Yes. Which was a different a transition to itself. So it that's was, what you're doing currently. Is yes, that was a struggle you know, all on its own. I mean, because you and I have had this conversation. I, with the help of some great mentors and of no um, success of just my own you know, ability, I had a career case. I had a lot of cases. I was but, hoping you were going to bring this up. Yeah. So, it, man, it's kind of a touchy subject because sometimes I, I still battle with it, but – I had a career case um, while I was there, and I kind of got hit with it early on, and it lasted about three and a half years yeah. in conjunction with other cases. But I, like I said, man, I this had, was a big deal. Yeah, this it was. A, it was a big, a big deal. This is a big case. Yeah, and I had guys literally teaching me and showing me how to become the guy to be able to get this one guy. And now, so to 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 this case that hopefully you can share a little bit about had been ongoing for how long before it landed in your lap? Oh, man. They had been looking at this guy in one form or the other for over 20 years. And hadn't been able to get him. No. And we're talking about, in my opinion, guys that were way better than me um, at that job. Um, and that's why I say it was definitely not on my own, man. It was a it was an office and a team effort from multiple agencies. I just happened to be the lead on it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they've been going after this guy a long time, man. Long time. And – um, he had brought a lot of destruction to the city, yeah. to the county, um, just in general to the general area. Even what outside can you the share? So 
long story short with it, he, uh, he'd been kind of operating for a long, long time. He'd been touched a little bit, but never of anything of any significance, which allowed him to become, from the outside looking in, a functioning member of society, mm-hmm. owned a major business, mm-hmm. um, did a lot of traveling, beautiful home. What kind of crime was this? Uh, drug trafficking. Okay. So um, had multiple, multiple kids. I think the guy had like 10 kids, 12 kids, something like that. That's a lot of kids. Uh, man, custom motorcycles, boat, you name it. This guy had it. Totally legit dude on the outside. Um, but what he had done and kind of in his wake, he had built a hierarchy of guys that were on the street, just like the military or law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Anything from your low-level guys all the way up to the rank structure. You know, he had basically lieutenants working for him that were in charge of different areas of things, if you want to label it as a, in that fashion. And those were the guys taking the hits. So all he would do is replace one. As another one got ticken off, um, which still boggles my mind that they were taking hits for him at the time. And we're not talking about local jail. Guys are going to federal prison 10, 12 years, 15 years, whatever. this guy can't be touched. He's just – no one could get hold of him, right? So it got to a point where he was able to build his organization where he didn't have to touch anything. He didn't touch the money. He didn't touch the dope. He didn't touch any of it. So it was through a network of phones. It was through a network of bank accounts, which initially in the in the drug world, that's that's kind of the last resort. You know, most guys don't get to that level where you got to chase them down. You got to paper chase them. But we got to that point, and it kind of got to a stopping point where, man, we just can't. We touched every guy literally to his right hand man. We got them all, and um, really good friend of mine who's still there now um, does a lot of undercover work. He was kind of mentored me some through this process and uh, old school guy had been in dope for God knows how many years. He had been chasing this guy or guys underneath him for a long time. So he was just as invested as me. So we were able to kind of work together as a team on this. And we kind of got down to the wire working in the United States attorney's office and some, some really good federal partners. Um, And we realized, man, this is the only way to get this guy. This is going to be a, we're gonna have to paper this. We're going to have to go after money. We're going to have to go after bank statements. This is going to be a long and tedious process. So the actual drug aspect of it stopped not too far into it. And then after that, it was looking at Excel spreadsheets by the thousand, you know, and phone numbers and money and all this other stuff. So, and it was also a risk at the time because these are not popular cases, right? And all the law enforcement guys out there know most of the time your prosecutors, they're looking for a slam dunk, man. So they don't want anything too difficult. No. And and when you get into the fed, the fed level, man, their batting average is pretty heavy. So for all the the bad guys listening, you know, if the feds tell you they got you, they got you. They're not bluffing you (laughs) Um, because they're not going to take that on and lose on you. Um, So we found an absolute dynamite prosecutor at the United States attorney's office. And they said, let me run it up the chain, man. Let me see if we can go what we would call a dry conspiracy. So zero drugs, zero pictures, zero video, zero anything. It's all going to be built off of tons of testimony, the hierarchy of the agency, and historical drug weight. So we went after that, and it took a long time. And the United States attorney that was dealing with it, super smart, super squared away, was like, we can do this. Let's go after it. And we did. Um, of course we went through a long 
arduous trial. We went through that whole process and it was nerve wracking, man. I didn't sleep. I don't think they slept. My guys didn't sleep. The U S attorney didn't sleep. Um, because man, we're really rolling the dice. I mean, we're walking into a courtroom where people watch TV and they're like, show me the drugs, you right. know, show me the money, Jerry Maguire, you know, show me the money. So we're like, we don't have any drugs to show you. Well, I have these Excel sheets. Yeah. We've got, <laughs> I've got a financial crimes guy that I've been working with. That's legit, you know? So we had to basically build this entire historical story and show these people legitimately, hey, man, this guy's responsible not only for the devastation of drug addicts and some other things. Right. He's, he's got a part in that. But look at the wake of what he's done to everyone who's ever worked for him, touched his organization. And through the kind of you know joint efforts of us and then the United States Attorney's Office, um, the jury was out less than an hour. He came back. And he was guilty. So the guy, the guy got thirty years. This reminds me of uh, every time you do. You tell, you, you, I, hear, I hear that. It reminds me of um, the Breaking Bad Chicken Man. What was that? Yeah, uh, the Pollo Loco dude yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. he had like the trucks with the chicken and all yeah, that kind man. of stuff. That's what it reminds me of. Yeah. So it was. Um, but it. There was a there was a penance to be paid for that investigation on our end too. Um, that investigation wiped me out in a sense of that was the pinnacle for me, and That's I didn't it. realize it until the end. And I thought when we when that jury brought that back out, and I thought it was going to be like winning the Super Bowl for me. And it, man, I probably have never felt more empty a day in my life. Really? It was super strange. Like it was, I built it up to this and then. Then it was over. And this probably isn't a popular thing to say, especially among our type of people. But man, I felt a little compassion. Like, man, looking over at this guy, you know, your life is over, man. Was that the first time you had, like, you had seen him? No, I had, no, I had seen him before because when we were building the case and we had gotten everyone else, I saw him. And I introduced myself to him and I said, hey, man, when I come back and see you next time, I'm taking you at his house. And he just stared at me. He didn't say anything. I said, but when we come back again, when these boys show up again, you're going. It's so, done. Yeah. So next, and then he ran um, ultimately in our uh, wonderful United States Marshal Service. That's what them boys do. And they were like, not a problem. <laughs> so I get a phone call and one of our guys from the Marshal Service says, hey, man. You know, I got your boy. We'll be bringing him back to you. I was like, you know, great. But it was it was kind of weird, man. It was a feeling of – it wasn't the feeling I thought it was going to be. Yeah. You know, you've reached the pinnacle. This is it. Slam dunk. Yeah. It was a good case, man. But at the end of that, it was, well, where do I go now? You know, what I, what's next? So the logical thing at the time when that was going on, like, well, I'll put in to promote. Yeah. You know, I, I guess that's the thing to do. Um, and, and you had the time in. Yeah, I had the time in. Um, and it was it was just getting to a point where I just felt drained and wiped out from doing all that. Because that wasn't the only case we were working. I mean, I was working a ton of other cases, too. But that was the primary thing. It wasn't just one. I probably, I don't know, probably had so, 20 so going on. So in that job, time. like doing, doing that case and doing everything else, like what's your what's your hours look like? What are you, Man, what I don't are you know. really burning? You don't, who knows? If somebody can figure that out, uh, let me know, you know, because you may work, come in at 8 o'clock that morning, you may not go home for two days. I mean, I, I don't, 
It just yeah. depends on what you're working on. You got to remember, man, there's say if you got a unit of 10 guys, every all 10 of those guys have that case going on too, but it's their own thing. Yeah. So you've got multiple each guy's got multiple targets, they got multiple things going on. Plus you're assisting other agencies and you're doing this and you're doing that and then you also have your your chore list or your to-do list of hey, we need this suppressed in this area or this suppressed in this area. So you, so you, so you, you do the case. Yeah. And I remember I went to, uh, was it your promotion? Yeah. Yeah, it was your promotion, and, and then the TA was there. And, and I got and, a, uh, yeah, they gave me, like, a, an accommodation a, for it. It was, it and a, big, all that, it was yeah. a big ordeal. Sure. And uh, Didn't feel like it, but yeah. And I remember you were talking about t- taking that promotion, and you were really torn. Yes. You were really, really yeah. torn. Yeah, I'm – I still struggle with that right now. Yeah. And then I remember once you got it, what <clears throat> was the chief informed you what was what was about to happen with you and your job? Right. And that, so that, that kind of ties into like going into this, what, what you guys have in law enforcement, you have actually multiple transitions. It's not like you just get out of the military like, like I did. No. Like you actually go through multiple different transitions while in – because you have different levels of management. Sure. So here you are, this high caliber special operations guy, and then you get promoted and you're not, they put you back in the uniform in a car. Yeah. That I haven't seen in six years. And you had to cut your hair off and shave your beard. That was the hardest part, man. I had like 16 inches of hair. I had to cut it all did off. You it feel, did you feel like that meme where the guy is like the I big feel like I lost guy. my power. Yeah. Like the big burly guy. And once he shaves his beard, it's like a right. baby. Right. I felt yeah. like I lost it. I was like, my power is now gone. <laughs> I instantly lost 15 pounds. That's how I felt. <laughs> so is this passing? It's been a little over a year now? No, it's been going um, – it's creeping up on about a year. Okay. Yeah. So talk – how's that transition going? Like, what's- Well, um, man, another unique scenario. I don't know if I'm just glutton for punishment or if, like, you know, whoever you believe in yes, out there are. is trying no, to no, just no. – you're, you're glutton for punishment. Tell me something, <laughs> but um, it was really rough leaving those guys, man. Yeah. They were my family. And, you know, a lot of guys out there will know, too, when you're in law enforcement, man, you ain't got a lot of friends. Like, that's why I always – me and Liz always joke around, you're my best friend. I mean, it's legit. Like, I, I mean, that's what you, you got. your you wife know. and your other cop buddies. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. And, and to be honest, not even so many cop buddies. I mean, you don't really hang out with a lot of guys like that um, yeah. outside of work. But um, coming over, it was rough, man, leaving those guys and then being, being back in a very structured environment and seeing those guys come in and out and seeing the everything that goes along with that, the culture and everything, and going, I don't belong there anymore. And no fault to them because the mission goes on. Right. But and I think I heard Kyle Lamb talk about this one time when he, you know, it's definitely holding a level for him being at his, you know, elite level, but talking about when him leaving CAG and all that and He's like, man, I felt like I was earning my spot to the day I left. But when I left, there was no big party. There was no. No, you just fizzle out. Call me. Hey, buddy, no. you're doing good. There's not that. And it's not their fault. They still have a focus and they have, they got to well, drive was, on. Which was within my book as well. Right. Like that, they move, the, the mission continues. Man. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it goes on. Hey, man, I'll but see you when I see you. But we're sold that. It's like once you're there, you're always. Oh, it's the be, brotherhood, man. Yeah, you're, you're always going to be you're there. You're tagged forever. Yeah, it, that's not real. No, it's not, not real. It, that's not a real thing, and and you lose track of that, and you lose track of those guys, and it's real while you're there. Sure, yes, it has to be because yeah. you're the amount of hours you're there, right. the amount, the intimacy that you have with these people, um, is a real thing. But when you leave, you 
you're just not there anymore. Yeah. You know, so it just kind of fizzles away. But um, I came into a unique situation in that um, th- where I am now, you have two supervisors, initial line supervisors. You have a sergeant and a lieutenant. Well, my lieutenant took another job. So as a new sergeant, they're like, hey, man, listen. And this is – I give credit to some of my uh, my supervisors and or leaders of the agency they came down and said, hey, listen, you're going to run this platoon by yourself for a while. You know, there'll be some lieutenants around to help you if you need them, but you're not going to have a lieutenant. Um, we think you can do it. You'll be fine. You know, we trust you to do it. Yeah. So um, now it's real. You know, now because I'm, like, I'm responsible for all these guys. I'm responsible for an entire city when there's no one else there. I, I become a watch commander, you know, in sorts. And I can call captains and call people, so it's not terrible. But initially coming out, and I'm like, man, I don't know nothing. Because in six years – Social norms is what drives, you know, what's right. acceptable. Right. Man, we're talking about a different era than six years ago in law enforcement, um, six, seven years ago. And we're also talking about a different person that's wearing the uniform. Right. No fault to their own. But, man, a cop back in the early 2000s or mid-2000s and now, two it's different dudes. Very different in 2019. Yes, very yes. different approaches, very different guys. We've seen that same thing in within special operations as well or in the military in general is – it's a, you know, when I came in in 2000, sure. vice, you know, somebody that's, you know, a Raider on a team in 2019. Yep. While I, while I, for me, it feels like yesterday, that's, that's quite a bit of time. Difference. Yeah, absolutely. That's a different generation of a human being. Yes. Yeah. And, and so does the administration change and, and what to their benefit, you know, or, or to their defense is what's acceptable now, you know, right. what can we do? What is the focus? What are, what are the goals? Um, obviously the overall goal doesn't change, you know, kind of the, the branded goal of we're here to, you know, serve the community, you know, take care of the public, but there's some underlying things. There's like what drives that mission now, because it's not the same anymore. So in my mind, I don't even know how to use all the ancillary things like their computer systems. And that's what drives things. We talked about before the, the lifeblood is the paperwork, you know? Yeah. So Man, what a humbling experience. Because well, you I go back to being like a platoon shark. Sure. That's what you were. I yeah. came from being in a unit where all the guys, at least at the agency, looked at as like, man, those are the guys, man. Yeah. You know, um, and it, to be accepted and be kind of welcomed into that unit at that point and kind of getting to that case level from literally getting accommodations and them doing news things and being put on with the United States Attorney on the news. And it's like, man, this is cool. And then boom. I don't even know how to turn this computer on over here and do this. So now I'm asking this. Can I just go shoot some guns yeah, and like, like do some raids? And <laughs> like they're calling out some type of mental health crisis. And I'm like, okay, I think this guy's crazy. We're going to leave now. And they're like, Hey Sarge, we can't do that. We got to call out this agency. We got to do this paper. And I'm like, well, this guy will be fine. You know, it's like, it doesn't work that way anymore. Yeah. So learning those things and being able to be humble and say, Hey God, it's got a year of experience two years of experience show me how to do this yeah and he's looking at me like man you were in three divisions you're this and that. man you don't know how to do hey nope sure don't pal now you're going to teach me how to but do you it do. but you do yeah you know and i'm sure at some point i'll teach you something but i need you to show me this now yeah so that 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 definitely plays back into that transition of you know that's not the easiest thing to do because then i start my mind starts to think of man i've made a mistake right I've left what I was good at. I've left my guys. I've left my family. And now I'm out here where I feel like I'm just punching the time clock again. 
I'm just another spoke in the wheel. Yeah. What have I done? I've made a huge mistake. Um, and then it doesn't help to the freedom that you have in those specialized divisions um, is, is huge. But now I'm back on, you got to be here at this time. You're not leaving till this time. You're responsible for all these people, you know, X, Y, and Z. And by the way, oh, you just got used to days. Okay, cool. Two weeks of days, you're getting ready to shoot over to a, basically a midnight shift and you're going to night shift. So sleep, which you hadn't slept already in seven years. So you're thinking, oh, man, I might get some sleep now. Let me tell you what you're not getting. Sleep's not going to happen. And you talk about it in the book, man. And that, that's a huge hurdle um, later on when you start to realize where you are and realize, hey, man, I got I to gotta fix this. I got to take care of myself. Yeah, and so now that kind of leeways into what um, I think the – and correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys are – we have performance and resilience in the military and special operations. Um Law enforcement, they're calling a wellness wellness plan or well, wellness program or something. Something to that, yeah. But they're basically, it's it's the same thing. They're catching on now sure. that guys need to be, need to have, you know, trainers fit, be physically fit, they, yep. you know, make sure they're not gaining weight. Um, and then and then also like the, the mental resilience <clears throat> as well. And, you know, now I'm getting asked because of the book, I'm getting asked to go these different these different agencies and yeah. list, and talk about the seven state of transition that people go through because of that, which is, which is awesome. But that also puts you in that kind of that role of responsibility yeah, of, absolutely. of watching out for those things and then making sure that those things are handled appropriately <clears throat> and yeah. they're not being like just pushed under the rug. Um, how are you doing that? I mean, it's a challenge because I, I'm kind of learning on the fly too. And it is, a lot of things, both in the military and law enforcement, just in life in general, we just we they're deemed important, but we just pay lip service to it. Right. You know, oh yeah, block this off, hit the checkbox. Yeah, sure, I'm fine. Yeah, I know. Talk to someone if I need it. I, I need to go to the gym. I need to do this or whatever. But I think one of the big things is is setting the example, and you hear that a lot. But if you're someone that people look at as an example, like yourself, and they, I'm sure, I guess. So if you if you look at that and then they're lo- looking at you and saying, well, man, you know, sorry, I, somebody said the other day, Sarge's in there talking to, you know, our freaking psychologist. What do we call him? The head shrinker? The witch doctor? Yeah. yeah. And, and we're lucky yeah. we have a full time. Yeah. So yeah, same with us. Yeah. It's super cool. Um, that really cares. It, it's they're, they're not going to blast you, take your badge and gun from you because right. that's that's what guys are thinking. That's what we used to think back in our right. day. Like you don't say shit, man. No, you keep your mouth shut because you, you say anything, you're you're off the team, bro. Right. And it's just not that way anymore. Right. And, and it shouldn't be. Right. It shouldn't be. So I think some of that is setting an example and and then being able to be a little bit vulnerable yourself and say, hey, listen. Be the go-between. Hey, if you don't want to talk to me, that's fine. But I'm here for you. Right. You're, you know, a lot of positive reinforcement of, hey, listen, I know you had a hard day today. I try to see my guys before they leave every day and say, hey, man, I know you crushed it today. You had a long day, but you, you did good, man. I appreciate you being here today. People say, oh, that we say that all the time. It's not a big deal. It is a big deal because looking back when I was, you know, at day one, by my supervisor setting the tone and not being negative and coming in and saying, or at the end of the day saying, hey, man, that call you went on this morning at 8.30. Man, he remembers that call from 8.30. We've had 120 calls today. You know, I appreciate what you did, man. That showed a lot of this or that or 
you fill in the blank. Makes a little difference. Yes. Yeah. So I think building that trust and letting those guys know, hey, man, I'm not here to be a manager. I'm here to try to be a leader. I'm here to try to help you as much as I can. I'm going to learn from you. You're going to learn from me. We're going to grow together. I just happen to have a little bit more experience than you do. Right. But if you're dealing with something, I'm here to talk to you, but it's okay if you don't want to talk to me. Yeah. Get up with somebody on the platoon that you trust. Get up with somebody in the agency that you trust. Have that conversation. And then if it needs to go from there, you know, it can go to someone else, you know. Um, and then that's where having a good resource for guys that are out there. I, I would definitely ex- say that if your agency doesn't have access to someone um, on staff or the ability to, you'd be surprised how many people want to help at this point. Uh that kind of meshes well with your department. We're super lucky with that. We don't have, I mean, you know, the stigma, if, if one of my guys is having an issue and I have to send them to a doctor's office, man, the climate of that is different already sets the tone yeah. of they're going to take my gun. They're going to take my badge. And more importantly than that is these guys are, a lot of these guys are struggling. They're not making a lot of money. They got right. kids, they got a wife, they got or spouse or whatever, you know, it may be. Man, now you're taking my livelihood. Right. I'm not going to get looked at for any specialized divisions. I'm not going to get looked at to get put on a SWAT team where I'm going to be dealing with more guns and more decisions and processing and the the you know maybe the liability of having to get more involved with something. So I'm just going to sit over here and not say anything. You know, this will pass. And that was a big thing for me a long time ago. Was man, this just comes with the territory. This is going to pass. Well, it's going to pass now, but it's coming back. It's just coming back yeah, eight years will. from now, ten years from now. Yeah. You're gonna have to deal with it. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna deal with that at some point. You know, you can only see so much and you're gonna see that you're gonna see that kid's face again. You're gonna see that body again. You're gonna see that car wreck. And those are extreme things, but you're gonna deal with other things too that you're gonna there's gonna be repercussions for that later. You're gonna pay the man at some point. Yeah. So I think the big thing is being a being able to be a little bit vulnerable and let your guys see if you're in a leadership position that, hey, man, we're all in this together. So I had a doctor tell me, and this is like a, the, the the best analogy of this situation. He's like, you have this nice high-end car, right? Right. Every car, every machine needs maintenance. <clears throat> He's like, if the timing starts to go bad and you don't fix it, you're going to blow that car up. Right. But – as soon as it starts to feel a little wonky, if you get it a tune-up and you check that chain and you tighten that chain up and everything is good, it's going to keep on going. He said, but what happens is we got these high-caliber high individuals, whether it be an LE or, you know, either, you know, smoke jumper or, sure. or, or you know, special operations or just military in general. We don't, we don't do any tune-ups. We just mm. expect the machine to run for 20, 30 years yeah, man. and then just work <clears throat> when that's not the that's not the reality of the, of the thing. Like yeah. you need to take a guy and almost every couple of years, give him a tune up. Right. You know, because you're going to one, he's going to be healthier. You're going to get a better operator out of him as in whatever career he's at. He's at and you're going to get longevity. And then when he's done, he's actually healthy. He's not a used up piece of machinery that. Right. Is that potentially can never recover. Yeah, and it, it's tough to get away from that, you know, stay hard all the time. <laughs> Got to stay hard all the time. Man, you can't stay hard all the time, man. No. You're, you're, there's too many consequences for that stay hard all the time mentality. Uh, so, you know, that's something you got to catch early, you know. And this is no 
fault, you know, I, I think necessarily to them on the surface or maybe they haven't realized it. But I've always said, too, I never want to be one of those guys that's walking around the agency because, unfortunately, they're there, that they're right there, they're right there at the end, and they're like, if, if I can just do two more fucking years, man, get out of this. You know, yeah. they're dying. They're already dying. That's, that's why I left at 12 years. Because you know. I saw those guys, and I was like, I don't want to turn into that. I was heading down a very dark and bitter path, which I had to go through, which you, you know about. But I saw it going even further. Sure. And I, I, I was going to be that angry, bitter old man um, that didn't enjoy life anymore. Yeah. And that's where I was, that's where I was at. And I didn't, I had, something had to give. And a unique thing with us, I think, is you you live for 30 years in the environment that you work in. There's no separation yeah. of church and state. So now it, it'll drive you nuts. So now when you go home, you take off the suit, you throw on civvies, you go to the store five minutes, 10 minutes later, now you're still in that same environment. You're still dealing with those same people. You're seeing those folks. You, well, you see them all, you and you and because of your job, you're picking out things that nobody else is picking out. Right. You're still hyper vigilant. It becomes a sickness. Yeah. And it will destroy you. Ultimately, if you don't, if you can't get a handle on it, and you can't learn that switch, you know, I'm not saying not to be because it ultimately it's going to change you forever, and you need to be that way just to be a good human. Right. But there's different varying levels of, you know being vigilant yeah you know you don't need to be that way all the time because like you were saying with that car man that engine can only rev at so many rpms forever oh you're gonna it's gonna you can't redline if i go out in the parking lot now and red redline that truck i'm gonna be doing an insurance claim <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean so yeah there's only so much of that that it can take what would you say what would you tell these 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 guys that are at i don't know eight to twelve years Man, uh, you know, obviously I don't have all the answers and my way may not be everybody's way, but I think that um, just an honest, doing a, an honest look at yourself and where you are and are you even really doing what you want to do? Are you even really doing what you want to do? Yeah. Or are you been put on, have you been put on a program, you think you're doing what you want to do, but you're really chasing somebody else's goals and you're just afraid to step outside of that group or whoever else is looking at you in regards to, to what you're currently doing and say, man, I want to try something different or maybe enough is enough for me here. Yeah. Maybe I want to move to something else. Um, you know, and then the ability, the ability to, the ability to have an identity, man, that is so important. And I've, I've realized that in the past probably two years, but the ability to have an identity outside of your profession. Who is Justin not Sergeant Morris. So in, in, a, in a good, I think a good way to gauge that is if someone asks you, hey, man, you know, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. What you, who are you? What do you do? You know, um, oh, man, I'm a cop. I'm on the SWAT team. I'm, uh, right out of the gate, that's what you got. Right. Not to say that's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, you got pride in your job. That's good. But, man, that's, that's not necessarily who you are. Right. That's what you do, and you may be damn good at it 110% all the time. But what else are you? Well, man, I'm a husband. You know, I enjoy rock climbing when I can. I enjoy right. jujitsu, shooting. You know, we enjoy to travel. We, this, Those are things that you need to put your stock in because those are what are going to be there. When it's over. At the 30, yeah. at the 20, yeah. at the 100-yard line. Unfortunately, in this 
not to degrade any organization, but they're all the same because they're a business. Ultimately, they have a mission, they have a job, whether it's military, law enforcement, whatever. And when you're and when you're gone, yeah. it will continue yes. to move without Someone you. will feel that, yeah. and then they will be tasked and, and plagued with some of those things. But at that 100-yard mark, when you're done with the game, all those things you neglected, some of them are still going to be there for you because they love you and they care about you. Yeah. There's been some damage done, but if you were able to put stock in that, and you were able to, you know, cherish those relationships and build those relationships, hobbies, your mind, your body, back in the five, ten year mark, man, it's going to pay dividends on that other end, right? Because you don't want to get to the thirty, the thirty mark or the twenty mark and realize, damn man, I've really ruined some things, and now, now I got to start living at fifty-five, sixty. I, I got to start. I hit the reset button. Now. Oh, oh, and by the way, you've got diabetes. You've got you're overweight. You got mental health problems out the wazoo because yeah. that's coming. You're not sleeping. You're not sleeping. Yeah. You know, um, you've been divorced three times. You know, you've got all these things. You've got so much damage and so much baggage that it's going to be so much of an uphill struggle. Life's hard enough as it is. It's meant to be that way. Yeah. Don't make it harder on yourself. Yeah. I don't think it's meant to be easy. Yeah. But uh, that when that's the life big. Di- life's difficult sometimes. Yeah. Life yeah. is a little rough sometimes. But <laughs> I think that's a big takeaway for guys is, you know, Start strong, man. Like build a good foundation initially, man, whether that's mental health or all-encompassing mental health, physical. But, man, really take care of people around you out of that circle, man. Put on some – I had a guy tell me one time, um, big DEA guy, wrote a couple books, and he said, put on some fucking blue jeans, man. Not to me in general, but yeah, just guys, yeah. put on some blue jeans, throw a T-shirt on, and go to dinner, take your wife somewhere, enjoy some time, man, you know. Stop wearing 5.11s and not, having to— Not be a cop for a yeah, second. Man, yeah, man. Take a minute and just decompress and just look at what's going on. And enjoy that life that everybody else is enjoying. Yeah. You know, and then come back to work Monday. Take care of those people. Do your thing, whatever. But when you go home, utilize that drive time, yeah. you know, and it's longer for some than others. Man, that's what I try to do. You know, I told you before, one thing I, try, one thing I do now is um, I take my uniform off. And that's a mental thing for me. Yeah. So, and some people can't do that by policy, and I understand that. But for me, man, I, I go in the locker room, and you know, being from a middle to bigger size agency, I have that capability. I go in there, I take all that stuff off, man. I'm proud of that. I'm glad I got to do that that day. But that comes off. Jeans, t-shirt, hoodie comes on. I get in my car. I shut my radio off. Computer comes down. Whew. I take my 10 minute drive home if that, and it gives me a minute to focus. You, we were, I was talking about that with, with, uh, with Johnny about, uh, about the intention that 10, that, so that's, it's a 10 minute of intention. You did all of that mm. with intention to decompress with turning that switch off. Right. It's not like, we're not just, we're not just getting off work and going home. You can't do it, man. You, you're, you're taking your, you know, everything that you're doing is, it was, is with intention to <clears throat> turn your brain around sure. so that you can go home and be a productive member of your family. And I think that comes back to, we talked about, you know, the power of spoken word. It's, that, that's not mine. That's been said a million times, but yeah. that's huge, man. People may think it's crazy, Thought. but yeah, absolutely. That take that time on the way home. You get home, you're saying, Hey man, I dealt with this today. I'm going to deal with that whatever way I need to deal with it. But when I walk in that door, I'm going to be the person I'm supposed to be. Right. I'm not going to bring all that that I had today home 
in a negative space. You know, if the wife or spouse asks, hey, you know, was everything good today or whatever? You know, it was a little bit of a rough day. Something as simple as saying, I had a rough day, you know, um, taking a second to kind of calm that down and, hey, how was your day? Maybe even allow something I'll try to do from time to time is, well, I had a little bit of a rough day, but um, how was your day? Tell me about your day. Yeah. Now that gives me time to hear something positive. Because right. most of the time, hers is positive. Let's be real. I mean, job ain't that hard. You know what I'm saying? So gives me something positive. And I'm like, man. Or there's at times too, man, like uh, just to add to that is one thing I was super guilty of that caused a lot of arguments and fights was you got to be careful with this, especially as a law enforcement military guy, fireman, paramedic or something, is diluting or degrading your spouse's profession. Because if I... Because it's not yours. Sure. And, And your problems are... They're garbage. Those yeah. are minuscule. I wish I had 30 of those today to my one. Yeah. You know, if I come home and you tell me, oh, I've had a rough day, you know, the printer wouldn't work. We got back ordered on this order and we weren't able to ship these six boxes. The boss was a little pissed. Right. And I'm sitting here thinking, wow, <laughs> I got in two foot chases. A guy threw a gun on me. I almost had to shoot this guy. I had to fight. Got my uniform torn off. I, I saw three dead bodies. Did this and this. And but I'm sorry about your printer yeah, problem. I'm sorry about your fucking printer's not working. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You know, you ran out of toner. But to to that person. That's their life. That's their life. That's the hardest thing. The, absolutely. That day, yeah. That's They're going through hell with that. Right. So if you constantly degrade that and dilute it and say, man, you that ain't. Because I was guilty of that. I'll first be the first one to tell you is. Really? You think that's bad? And then let me unravel on you because I'm getting ready to unravel some shit now. And, and, but what is that going to do? What it, let me tell you what it does. I know exactly what it does. It leads to an argument. It leads to resentment. It leads to fighting. It leads to you going to bed for the four hours you were going to sleep pissed. She's pissed. The next day, you're ultimately going to apologize. <laughs> so now we're waking up doing apologies in the morning, telling her you're an asshole. And right? now I got to go do it again. Now I got to do it again. Yeah. So so much I, for getting laid. So yeah, much for having not, a nice four hours. That's not even on the menu, <laughs> right? We went from a full course menu down to chicken nuggets and fries. Like you're getting nothing, and you're making your own dinner that night. So and you did it. Yeah. And you're the one that it's caused it. It's your fault. <laughs> yeah. It's not her fault or his fault, whatever the spouse may be. But yeah, it's you, and it it's 100 percent you. And you're going to storm around pissed. You're going to go to bed all pissed off. You're going to get up. And you're going to and that's acidic, man. You're already yeah. not sleeping. But now you're going to bed with that in your mind. And I, I think that's a big thing to take away too, man. If guys can understand that, yeah, you've had a rough day. You signed up for that. Don't forget that. That's I love that you said that because the vets do the same thing. They like they get this angry entitled thing. I'm like, hold up, motherfucker. Like yeah, thank you for my service. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. Thank you for my like, I, dude, you you signed like we're, there's no draft, bro. Yeah. You volunteered for this shit. I almost feel guilty. And I, 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 pre, I don't want to come out the wrong way. I appreciate people that appreciate us. Yeah. Military, absolutely. law enforcement, EMS. And there's a, there, I'm missing people. It's not just public safety. There's other people out there. One of the guys that we, that rolls at RBJJ gym, he's a smoke jumper. Yeah. I didn't find out until later. That's awesome. We're talking about a hard job. Um, doctors, nurses, you, there's a laundry list. But I almost feel guilty at times when people will come up and shake my hand and say, hey, man, thank you for doing what you do. Yeah. And in my mind, I'm like, man, you know, thank you. You know, but I'm sure you do great things. You know, right. feel somewhat guilty for that. But, yeah, you signed up for it. Now, how you mitigate it 
And like for me, like I, I had to get to a point where I realized that like, yes, I enlisted the first time and then I re-enlisted yeah. and then I re-enlisted again. And while I was re-enlisting, I was taking, I was volunteering for all these special units. I went yeah. to Force Recon. No one kept went, you here, bro. No, bro. Like, I, like I've never seen in my time, in my short tenure of 10, 11 years where someone put a gun to your head and said, you're going you're, you're you're gonna gonna to take here. selection. Yeah. You're, <laughs> you're going to be here. Take selection, right? Like if you're not here, it's over. You know, you yeah. can walk out that door. Anytime you want. Anytime you want. Yeah. There's yeah. always places hiring. That's right. Um, That's right. So be real. You know, take responsibility. Yeah. Knock the, the victim shit off. Yeah. That, yeah. no, you're not a victim. If no. anything, you're the opposite, you know, so you got to knock all that you shit wanna off. You want to blame someone? Go look in the mirror and point yeah, yourself don't in the face. Stop yeah. blaming your spouse for, well, they don't pay me enough attention or, well, what are you doing wrong? Right. You know, and that was a, that was an eye-opening experience. You know, we had the the privilege of, you know, all going together to the, the retreat. Oh, the marriage one. Yeah. yeah man. Yeah. Awesome. Um, not what people think. No. Nope. Cause I kind of cast it out there and it was funny. Guys are like, Hey, what'd you do this weekend? Oh, we went to a marriage retreat, man. What? You guys having problems, bro? You having problems? <laughs> no, we're not having problems. It's I don't want to have problems. <laughs> yeah. Wait, you don't change your oil in your car until it blows up. <laughs> yeah. But you know, some of the things Kirk and were saying was, you know, it was eye-opening. It's like, man. It's not about the other person. No, dude. It's about you. No, it's in marriage is not for lazy people, <laughs> nor is any relationship. Right. It's not for lazy people, whether it's a friendship or a marriage or whatever. You've got to work at that. Right. You've got to do your part and sometimes and some. Right. You know, and there's times when you have to go, you know what, I'm wrong. Even when, in my opinion, even when you're not necessarily wrong sometimes, you got to back down and say, you know what? I'm wrong. Well, let's move on from this. Whatever. How long are you going to hang on to that? Right. And I think that in conjunction with the type of work we do and the type of work you've done, um, it just amplifies it. Yeah. If you don't keep tabs on it, you have to have that. Two, man, it doesn't take a lot. You know, two minutes. And I think that's why I'd, we hadn't touched on that yet. But you know, with the fitness and the jujitsu and the other things, helps so much. Surfing, all the stuff that we're into, but. It takes two minutes before you get out of that truck or car or whatever it is pulling in the driveway to say, all right, I had a rough one. I had this. I had that. But, man, it ain't their fault. I'm going right. to go in here, and this is my time to decompress and be who I am, who I truly am right. outside of whatever costume I'm wearing that day. Right. And this is going to be the best part of my day. I've already gone through 12 hours of garbage. Right. So now I'm going to get the two hours I have before I go to bed. I'm not bringing it in no, with me. No, this is going to be my time. Yeah. This is good. This is my good time to be. But that is super, super intentional. And it has to be. And, and it's, be. and oh man. And the hard part is every day. Yeah. Every day. It's not just the days you're working. It's the days you're off because you're dragging a lot of that shit over. So you got, it's every day. It's every time the phone rings. It's every time the text. It's it. All of those things are. You know, it's encompassing because if not, man, what we just. Kirk says this thing and I absolutely love it. He said, uh, words have meaning, right? Yeah. And so if words, if words have meaning when we speak, especially to the ones we care about, why would we not choose the very best words? Absolutely. So if you, if, if, if words are infinite, you have a bucket of infinite words and you can choose any words you can and they, and words have meaning, then. Why would you not choose the very best words? And uh, to, to add to his wisdom, something he said that, man, it it 
burned me right in the middle of the chest and it'll never go away. He was discussing, he said, well, you know, you, you can deal with your own faults. They're perfectly fine. Your flaws are fine, but they're not okay in that person. Right. You know, well, I come home, you don't listen. You know, well, you don't fucking listen either, <laughs> but it's okay because it's you. Right. So, and not blowing smoke, Liz can back me on this. And we actually took that list he gave us. It's been on my refrigerator ever since. So when we walk down in the morning, you know, sometimes you see it, you don't, but you can take a look over there and he's got all those, those awesome quotes laid out. And it's like, man, I needed to see that one today. Yeah. But it's, it's like, it's gotta be absolutely intentional. Right. Um, you can't just say, well, yeah, I'm going to do that. Nah, man, nah, it's not going to work. You got to write it down. I'm a right. big fan of writing stuff down. You got to write it down, make it real, write it down, speak it, and, it, and then it can come to fruition. Without that, it's just it's just a thought, right? You know, and, and then you're that, not going to execute on it. No, you're not going to do that. You're going to yeah. walk in the house. It's going to be bad. It's going to be a bad day. <laughs> UFC three fifty nine or whatever we're up to two forty whatever. Yeah, every and everybody listening to this is shaking their head yes because they they've all done it. Yeah, I, man, myself included. Yep. Just go, gone in with a flamethrower and just and, light, and, light the fucking house on fire. And the fire. bad part about it is, or one of the bad things about it is, you're gonna be wrong. Tomorrow, yeah. you're going to apologize. Yeah. So, you know, why even go there? Right. You know, save yourself some, some, and there's flat. nothing wrong with saying, coming in and saying, you know, if you get to that point, Hey babe, let me grab a shower real quick. I'll be right back down. And now when you're in that shower, you better be doing the right thing. You know, you better be going through your mind going, okay. Bump yeah, that, bump yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> get rid of this, get rid of that. And something we took, so something we discuss during that same time was uh, being, you know, in, in regards to being intentional was coming in the house and making a deliberate action to go to that person. I, we don't have kids yet, but whether it's your kids or your wife or everyone, um, put those keys, that cell phone down, put that cell phone down. Walk over, and I know I know you're the same way. I've heard. Yeah. So <laughs> being able to walk in, take that gun, sunglasses, keys, and phone, and sit them down, right, and leave them somewhere else for else. a minute. Else. Yeah. Because this, this is not I'm listening to you. I've got my phone turned over, but it's still on the table. Nope. This is still more important than you are right now. Yeah. So that's not correct. And go in there. And tell that person, hey, how's it, you know, did you have a good day? Whatever, hug, kiss, whatever your ritual is. And give them that five minutes of immediate attention. Right. And let them know, hey, you're the most important thing right now. It's going to set the tone for the whole time. That's it. You're done. The next two hours is totally going to change based on that. How you walk in, yeah. If you come in and, oh, yeah, I ain't got time for that. I'm getting a shower. Then I'm going to dry fire for 30 minutes. And then, yeah, and then Uh, listen. How was my day? Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. I'm, I got to get on Instagram, but yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, you're talking to me, but I'm doing this. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds great. You know, whatever. <laughs> you know, and then a week from now, like, you remember telling me you do this. No, I didn't say that shit. <laughs> yeah, you did. You were on the phone. So just if you can, but again, man, that's so hard. Yeah. You can solve all these problems all day long. You're the problem solver. You solve all the problems. You do all that. But to come home and literally just do something as simple as take your cell phone Leave it there in the foyer, you know, where you throw all your EDC gear. Yeah. I've got a box. I take all my shit off. I throw it in there. 
And for those listening, don't don't worry. He's got shit all over the house. Yeah, so I don't have kids, so I've got guns laying everywhere. <laughs> so I get yelled at so all the time. You're not getting the jump on on him if, just because he's taking his concealed <sighs> carry off Man, at the I, door. Yeah, I'm super paranoid. <laughs> so I throw all my stuff in there, and this ability to go in there and engage in that conversation, have that dialogue, and let them know, man, hey, listen, yeah, I did that all day, but now you're my focus. I want to hear about your printer problems. Yeah, (laughs) but legitimately, right? So legitimately listen and say, and I'm struggling. I'm not an expert. I've been working on it since we've been at our retreat. I'm still working on it. And I'm going to work on it forever. You know, it's a continuous thing. The whole thing you were saying about marriage ain't for lazy people. That's the damn truth. You know, that's legit. Yeah. So, um being intentional, you know, not to beat that to death, but that that's huge, man. You got to come in. You got to do that. You got to take the time. You got to set the time apart to actually do that. Be okay with going on. Uh, Nick text me as I was walking in the door. Man, that was important, but I, Nick, I'm going to get you. He'll and be like, all right. I'm going to get you in like yeah, yeah. an hour or two hours yeah. or something whenever I can get back to you. Yeah. You know, and I get it. You're on call or whatever. I mean, I'm in that situation now. If the phone rings, yeah, let's be realistic. I got to go. But yeah. if not, set it aside, you know, and you've given the agency, you've given the department or the unit or you fill in the blank, what, 60 hours that week, 70 hours, you've given them five minutes. They'll they'll be all right for a couple minutes. You're going to be fine. You know, (laughs) the world is not crashing down because you are not beating the streets. Yeah. You know, and I think that's a a big thing is just understanding that, um, getting your priorities. We talked about that kind of the foundation and, and, Understanding what your priorities are early, right? Because through it's just like anything else, man. You work out once a week, you're not gonna be so good. And you know what I'll say is is figuring that out, but then being okay later down the road when they change. Yes. And yep. and, and and not having to fight yourself for those priorities changing because they do they do change yep. and you should embrace those changes. Um, but but allowing yourself to, I guess fully flush those out, experience them, yep. you know, see what the, they're about, you know, because that, again, that goes back to you being who you are, not what you do. Right. You and know? not one method works forever no. in anything. It's like tactics. Jesus. It's just going to change. Man. It's going to change, man. Yeah. You know? Um, and then I think the big thing to you, at least for me, my struggle is being okay with going through a time period where everything's going great yeah. and then falling, bam, you have a, and that could be in a relationship or at work or whatever and saying, man, we've been doing really good for six months. Now we're back here again. It's peaks well, and valleys. Hey man, yeah. that's one time move on from it, press forward. Yeah. And what I've learned is, is if you continue to work on it, those, you know, when you're up on the peaks, those valleys will not be so deep. Absolutely. Next time it might, you might get a little dip, but it won't be like the world's ending. Yeah. You know, it'll just be, you have a little, fall off the mountain a little bit and yep. you can get back up there. Give yourself credit for what you've done. Yeah. You know, you, you deserve a lot more than where you're giving, what you're giving yourself credit for. You had a bad day. You had a bad afternoon. You guys had a fight or something bad happened at work. You, you messed up, but Hey man, you've been crushing it. Yeah. Jump right back out there. Go after it again. Move, you know, move forward. That's the big key. Move forward. Don't stay still. Don't stay stagnant. So before before we wrap it up, there's a couple of things other subjects I want to talk about. Um, training and recruitment. I mean, mm. now we're starting to see these law enforcement world like we're we're kind of reversing, right? We're talking about the beginning now. People know, yeah, it's hard, yeah. 
uh, it's on the news that that law enforcement officers are getting shot in the face sure. on call on random calls. Um, probably, I don't I don't know if I can't say it's more than ever, but it's definitely televised. It's and, been a it's been a big increase. That along with suicides is through the roof. So. And we were discussing this earlier kind of from the Leoka standpoint or law enforcement officers killed and assaulted, and that's a program the FBI has and, yeah. the, you know, they put statistics out. But um, for some reason, the South region is like triple of what everybody else is. And it's not a – Do we have a training problem? Well, I, oh, God, yeah, that's not that, that's not even – possible you know possible to argue i mean we absolutely have a training problem and the problem is is not everyone is on the same page there is some extremely well-trained agencies and swat not every swat team's created equal let me assure you but there's swat teams that have a budget a damn near socom budget it looks like and man they're crushing it they they can do anything they can go in dark and do hits they can they can do it all it's one of the best yeah you know and you've got those agencies here in our state um, but that's not across the board. And right. more importantly, the guys that are getting majority of the injuries getting killed is your guys in uniform responding to the calls. So we've got a budget problem. We've got an equipment problem. And then with the influx of mental health, that's really everything else is kind of taking a back seat. The problem with that is oftentimes in mental health is important, but if you go so long and your teeth don't stay sharp, when you need them to be sharp, they're not going to be. You can't sharpen that blade. You know, it's like having a dull knife. It was super sharp in the beginning, but over time you started using it for other tasks and instead of cutting. One side of that blade's got to stay sharp because yeah. when you need to cut something, you can't cut that shit with a spoon. Right. You know what I mean? So what is it what, for this state? Was it 60 rounds a year? No. For, well, for it, it depends. It's, a lot of them may shoot once a year, and it may be 30 to 50 rounds is mandatory. We not, don't do that. We have to qualify not, multiple times a year, right. and we do. We're lucky. We are not the. We are not the standard. We. Um, but what is the standard? I, I, I want to say it's thirty to fifty a year. They have to qual once or maybe most twice a year. But and that I think ain't it's, it. Nah, that ain't bro, gonna cut that, it. That's not gonna work. When you got guys, um, I probably shot fifteen to twenty thousand pistol rounds last year by myself. So and we got I, my business partner. Um, shoots more than me right so there's agencies that will never shoot that ever like over 10 years and we're two guys so it's rough man and unfortunately there's a lot of really good officers out there that are begging for the training that need it that want it and they're going out to try to get anything they can and a lot of times we fail them because the free training or the training that's out there is just regurgitated information over 20 years yeah and it's they're so far behind the curve of to what is actually working um what's the best thing we could do reallocate funds i i don't want to speak too heavy on that because i'll be honest with you I'm not in a position where I, I get to see the – and I understand the budgeting is hard, but, you know, from my standpoint, sometimes I feel like we we don't allocate funds in the correct areas. That's – because, like, let's be real. Budget is budget, right? Right. You're getting paid by tax dollars. Sure. It's coming from either the, the – it depends on what agency you're in. You correct me if I'm wrong. You're either coming from the state or you're coming from a city. Mm-hmm. So it really depends on that. Yep. So it's huge. It's, it's the reality of the thing. You can't make money – appear out of thin air no and you know so you have to work with what you have but i feel like 
there should me personally, as a someone who now is paying taxes um, yeah. and and pays a lot more than than I was when I was in the military, um, you know, now I'm looking at it like I want my money to be allocated to more training. Sure, you know, I, I do. If you're gonna pull me over in, in this town for because I'm going five over, you know, and you and I'm gonna have to go pay a hundred dollars, I want that hundred dollars to go to, to right. go to some bullets. Yeah, you know, and some medical training. Yeah, and it goes, it's so deep because it goes to, there's people that think that way and then there's people on, in, you know, high places that think, well, they don't need that. They don't need that. That's they need more. I think the problem is. They need more of this training. More sexual, this training. More sexual assault yeah, training. Or, or, yeah, or, you know, juvenile training or this or that. And, yeah. and those things are important. Guys do need to know how to. Absolutely. Do all these things. Yeah. However. Um, I'm more worried about them not being able to protect themselves. The one thing you can't get wrong in, in this job and come away with is a gunfight. Right. Or a combative situation where you're getting attacked by a subject with a weapon or a blade or something like that. If you mess that up, it may be the end. The, this was, and, and this is what brought it up, but there was a situation down in the, the town south of us. Um, two officers, door opens. And because they didn't have the proper training, they froze, which is so foreign to me because my background, when the door opens, and I think I mean, we've even talked about this. When that door opens, my brain's on autopilot. I, the robot version of myself kicks in, and all I know is, you know, dig my corner and go. And these, these two guys froze. And it's not, it's not their fault I'm a lot of people are gonna be like, oh, they're pussies or this or that. I don't think I'm I'm gonna say it's not their fault. They didn't know what to do. Right. Door open. Well, and I would say that too. I mean, you're always gonna have the folks saying whatever, but I'll be honest with you, man. Unless you've ever wore that uniform, you've worked that night, you've put that badge and gun on, you've pulled that car at two in the morning, had to walk up and not know what's coming. Yeah. Your opinion's really not valid. Right. And I, I'll probably upset people with that. Probably not the people listening to this, but oh, I, I, they'll agree with that. You I know, percent agree. If you've never been there, don't be so quick to say you're going to run up in the middle chair, of something. Yeah, armchair quarterback something. But you're absolutely right, guys. It, a lot of them, it's not their fault, man. They want to do well. They More officers that I've seen beg for training. They're like, we'll take anything. Please right. give us something. Let, you know, And that's why we started what we started was to be able to do that. Um, outside of the outside, outside of, of the, the agency, agency right. was to be able to take because we were going to so much training that we were coming back and we were developing lesson plans and we were implementing stuff and we were doing this and that. But then we thought about it and we're like, we were getting requests from other agencies like, man, we'll put together something and and start going out. And we started that back in 2012. Yeah. Um, but the training, the training is an issue um, for sure. But it's not like guys don't want it. Yeah. You know, they do want it. It's just a matter of facilitating it because you always hear we don't have the we don't have the ammo. We don't have the time. And then now you're running into which we don't have the manpower. Are, which all of those are very valid. They are valid things. Yeah. However, you know, sometimes you gotta find a way. And that right. and that's the most important thing. And I think a lot of it too is, well, you'll hear too, well, how many mental health subjects do we deal with in a weekly basis? Fifty. How many gunfights did they get in this week? Zero. Well, that if they get in one, that's the one thing they can't get wrong. Right. You know, so I think what you're seeing is you've seen a huge influx of this, I'd say probably over the past maybe six or seven years. Um, and that could be an arbitrary number. But 
guys are going out, like-minded individuals like us, or kind of in my circle, dudes do tons of their own training. Yeah, so one of my buddies, actually, he was in, he's in Arkansas, and he had to go, and uh, he went to your guys' SWAT school. There's some SWAT school out there or something. Um, he had he paid out of pocket. Oh, yeah, we paid. We were spending thousands it was a of couple, dollars. It was like 2500 bucks to oh, go yeah. to this course, and the chief was like, we can't send you, no. but we'll let you go if you're going to pay for it. And he was, and he felt bad about it, but he was like, "This is just where it's at." Yeah. So if you want to go drop drop the you know the dime the dime on it, we'll sure. we'll let you off so you can go do it. And then he did it. Came back. He was one of the youngest guys recruited on the force. For uh, I mean, he was a he was an infantryman before, but um, and he's he's excelled. But, yeah. But he had to take the initiative and go yep. do that on his own. Yep. And then and then not getting indoctrinated into. Well, this is the way we've done it 20 years. It's never because the biggest thing I can tell you, if you can do anything to take back to your agency, if you're one of those guys that's on the forefront of trying to excel or you're trying to you're trying to get your way into a training cadre where you want to be on that the front line of moving forward. Be careful when guys tell you, well, why are we going to do it like that? We've never done it that way. It's always worked. Well, when you have a sample size of three. Yeah. Well, your team's been caught out three times in 15 years, and the old school just dumped blind into a room. It worked out great for you. Well, you've done it three times. And the guys that are doing it seven, eight, 10, 15 times a day, every day, they're telling you, hey, man, look, we're losing guys based on this technique. Try this. See if this will work. Don't get so attached to things, you know, because things are constantly changing. Don't fall in love with your tactics. No, nah, man. They're don't changing fall, all the yeah, time. Don't fall and, in love with your tactics. You know, and, and that's something you've got to you got to swallow that, you know, and our guys don't have a problem with that. We're going to stuff all the time. Hey, man, that looks really good. Tell us why you guys approach halls that way or why you pin from the door. When are you guys shooting center yeah. versus, you know, um, doing fighting room to room or whatever the case may be and bring it back and try to give it away. That's another thing too, man. Give that stuff away. Uh, don't don't hold on to it. Yeah. Because that's another issue when you're talking about training is a lot of guys will want to go. Keep her the badge. It's right here, man. I'm on SWAT. So, you know, it's mine. Well, that's cool. But that patrol officer cleared 20 buildings this week. You haven't cleared 20 buildings in a year. Right. In a SWAT capacity. So give that back to those guys. And that, that's my whole thing is like the, the training isn't, you know, for anybody in leadership listening, like the training isn't to be like cool and sexy. It is 100% to save people's lives. Right. And that's where I feel like that's where we're dropping the ball. Yeah. And and don't neglect the medical aspect of it either. That's, that's huge. You know, there's a lot of good schools out right now that are teaching, you know, we primarily teach vehicle combatives. Yeah. But there's a lot of really good dudes out there right now that have a ton of experience that are teaching, uh, like street, street survival type courses are blanketed with that terminology. Yeah. Now, there's some that are a little crazy, but some of them are really good, man. You're getting some medical. You're getting some basic medical out of it. You're getting some tourniquet application, just some some pressure dressing stuff, um, some kind of weird, um, you know, wounds that you probably didn't know if you never had that type of training. Yeah. Then you're also getting some combatives and stuff like that. I would say utilize those things to jumpstart your now – everyday traditions of man i'm gonna go to a bjj gym i'm gonna learn a little ground fighting i might do some stand-up or man i might go to a blade class learn some blade defense or you know blade stuff can get kind of weird real quick some of those dudes are kind of strange very fast yeah yeah if you show up and the guy's got like a samurai sword on you probably went to the wrong one but you got guys (laughs) that are like craig douglas man who's like who's that guy who's the who's the black belt kung fu guy that does really good 
Johnny uh, doesn't know, apparently. No, he does. He has his book. Oh, uh, Master Ken. Master Ken. Oh, don't, Master Ken. Yeah, don't, don't go to Master Ken. Yeah, I don't Ken. think you want to go to Master Ken. <laughs> but, like, there's really good dudes out there, Craig Douglas, some of the other guys that, that are teaching one, two, three, four step legitimate stuff. You know, it's not going to make you a grandmaster overnight. Well, it's what's crazy is what people, the, all this high speed stuff, the, master the basics, man. Yeah, the man. basics are is what's going to keep you alive. Yeah. You know, protect the, protect your fellow offers around you is, is the basics. And get involved with stuff, man. Get involved. Go to a, a local BJJ gym. Go to, you know, get in some, some of that type of stuff. Um, shoot competitively if you have the time. We've had that conversation. Um, and then you can really see how good you are not. Um, just because you can, you know, not to beat that to death, but your qualification course is not training. I don't know how many times we can say that, but, hey, man, we got training today. What are you guys doing? We're doing our qual course. That's not a training. That's you just meeting the bare been, minimum. You, you should have been training months before that. Yeah, that's yeah. the bare minimum of you shooting static on a piece of paper with mm-hmm. like an hour and a half or whatever the time hacks are. If you really want to see where you stand on shooting performance-wise, not tactics, separate yeah. them, but on our performance-wise, I mean, go to a local USPSA match. You know, check something like that out and, and get with those guys. You'd be surprised. You want to talk about free training. How many of those guys that are at a national level are willing to say, oh, man, you're a cop? Cool, man. Let me help you with this, this, Let's and do this. this. Yeah. Yeah. Go back and set up some of these stages for your guys. I, you know. I'm li- I like that you said the difference between tactics because people get that rep. They get those yeah. those lines crossed sometimes. Sure, yeah. You know, and and there's different things. Yeah, right? it's well, it's and it's compartmentalized. Well, it's like anything else. Everybody wants a, a blanket training, but when you go to the gym, you don't you break down things, right? To overall have a an overall right. goal or performance. Why are we not doing that with everything else with training? Right. So we're gonna do a little CQB over here. We might work a door for hours. We right. might. You want to work performance shooting? I'm gonna go to the best guys in the business. It's not necessarily a cop or a SWAT guy or a soft guy. They may be, but if I can go to a grandmaster in USPSA and all I'm trying to do is learn performance on the gun, yep. that's the guy. Yeah. You know, I want to learn how to rock and, climb, and I'm going to the gonna, rock climbing guy. Yeah, and that's tra- that's going to transfer over to all the other things. Absolutely. It's going to put the whole picture together. Yep. Right. Well, before we wrap up, anything else you want to share? No, nah, man. Were they if, if they wanted to find you, where are they going to find you? Um. On it, I mean, I don't have a lot of personal stuff. Instagram. Everything's on Instagram and Facebook through our business. Yeah. So let me link those below. Yeah, you can. Grew yeah. Group Training and Consulting. We we're full time LE guys, so unlike a lot of the companies, man, we don't have the benefit of training of doing classes all the time. Yeah. But we try to put out several a year. Uh, some are going to be contracted through justice academies or agencies or the military so if you're an le or mill guy you can kind of jump on one of those a lot of them end up being free which is really good we try to do that when we can like we're talking about with the budget right so if we can give it to you for free we're going to give it to you for free um we've been pushing those since 2012 so there's a lot of data there's a lot of on-street experience attached to those we're not just arbitrarily making shit up um we try to keep it legitimate and fresh and we bring in guys for different portions of it uh so if you're interested in that feel free to hit us a line if we can do anything to facilitate it too if we we can try to work with an agency and bring ourselves to you we'll do that and you've been doing a lot of that as well you've been talking to a lot of other agencies yeah on 
a, a myriad of subjects. Yeah, we've gone in and done stuff. Um, we found agencies a call say, hey, man, listen, our guys, well, two of our guys went to your course at a, uh, a government contract. Man, they were blown away. We love it, but we just can't afford it. Well, yeah. how many guys do you have? Right. Oh, we got 10 guys. All right, we'll set something up for you. So, yep, we'll be on there, Instagram and Facebook, primarily on Instagram. So if you need something, drop us a line and we'll we'll do what we can. And if it's not our bag, we're not one of those. If it's not our bag, man, we got guys that are all over the country that we can send you to. So and so now you're uh, you're not currently on nights right now, right? No. So long as long as you don't have any late night uh, pop ups, you'll be seeing me at, in jujitsu choking me out, right? I, I don't know about choking you out. We'll see, but you know how that goes. It's a human chess match. Some days maybe you get me, I get you. We just don't know. That's how we feel that day. Yes. <laughs> well, I'll wake up and eat my Wheaties. Yeah. We'll see how I feel. For that those morning. that are listening, Justin's not a small man. <laughs> so yeah, but uh, we. Uh, we definitely will we'll keep at it. We're going to get Johnny in there. We're going to get Johnny in there. Johnny Swole is going to go. He's gonna as be soon in. as we started talking about dudes sweating on other dudes, man. He was he, in, right? He lit right he, up, yeah. man. <laughs> well, guys, uh, well, man, thanks for so much for coming. Yeah, I've been thanks wanting to do this for a while. And I, we'll definitely have to bring you back on and talk about some other some other subjects. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot to talk about. But, uh, guys, thanks for listening. Uh, share this. Uh, we all have we all have cop buddies out there. We all got first responders, military. Share this episode. This is stuff that uh, this is stuff that Justin and I wish we would have known ten years ago. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, don't be the keeper of the badge. Don't be the keeper of the information. Let's put this information out there. And uh, as I said before at the beginning, if you're if you're you're foggy, you, you've got some unexplained you know weight gain. You're just not operating where you need to be. Um, you just you're just down and out. Then uh, what does it hurt to get checked? So check out Core Medical Group. Um, they're on Instagram. All the links are below. You guys know the deal. Never quit. Never surrender. And we will see you guys in the next episode. <laughs>